Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. You know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. Yeah. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Yeah, I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. What number is this show? 97. 97! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, very exciting times here in Talking Tesla land. Talking Tesla 97, Tom yes. is angry. I've been baiting him for 10, 15 minutes now. And I'm not angry half because hour. it doesn't work on me. I'm a happy, happy boy. Robert has got an empty bladder, so he's ready to go. <laughs> we're good to go. Hey, look, we've been uh, discussing in the pre-show uh, as we're trying to get each other angry. Look, this week, obviously, we're going to have to be all Model 3. And uh, a number of you have said, well, it's really a great show when you're very well-rounded and you talk about this and that. But come on, this is the inflection point yeah. of the electric car revolution. This car is the car that changes everything. So Why? we have to talk about it in ridiculous detail this week. All right, got a yeah. problem with that, Tom? Do you have? I mean, there a are there is an argument to be made that that is not actually true. Well, make the argument so that I can show you how stupid it is. Go. <laughs> well, that it is not the car, but it is one of a number of cars. Like, for instance, the Chevy Bolt Meh. is still a car that's out there. It's still priced in the same neighborhood. It has. A tiny bit more range, which I am sure angered a lot of folks, right? About yeah. the base model, Model Three, right? I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't supercharge it. Okay, but let's talk about that, for instance, right? So the Tesla can charge, I believe, at about 130 miles for a half hour. Is that is that about? That's what they said for the base accurate? model. Okay. About accurate, right? And they say the Bolt can charge at about 90 miles in a half an hour. Where? Well, let's just stop for uh, a second here because we're getting too into the de- into okay, the, well, into that's the weeds. Why I but the to... point is, I think that the answer is what he said: Chevy Bolt uh, uh, Model uh, Three. Ah! I'm just saying that. It, the I'm difference. just saying that an argument can be made that a group of vehicles is is either here or coming that is potentially changing it. If you talk about it purely from a vehicle standpoint, now if we're getting into a network issue. That a charging network issue, we can have well, that conversation as well. But there's an argument to be made that in California, anyways, let's 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 okay. kind of be very very specific, it. right? Well, that's it. where the bolt is being. You know, that's that's right. where the so, thing is limited. Exactly. Right? If that's you live where, in Indiana, you're not getting a bolt. If you live in correct. London, you're right. not getting a bolt. Right. And that's like the but the but the but the L A to San Francisco run, you're going to stop for a similar amount of time in both vehicles. If you can find the network, that's all I'm saying is like, okay. if apples were apples, as far as the charging network, they're not apples. And that's the whole point. That is the entire point. This is the car that has a supercharger network that has sexiness that looks good. This is the car that we will look back in 10 years saying Major. that's when average Joe went, oh my gosh, electric mm-hmm. cars are cool. Not because of the bolt. I don't care. You can argue all day. Nobody's going to be in 10 years. Oh, that bolt, that really.
really was the one. It's the Model 3. Can it's I just the one. Can I emphasize something? So you're something? a little more pro Model 3 now. Me, I would say you're major sexiness. Thank you. So major sexiness. We're going to go through the event. So on Friday, we did a live stream thanks to the thousands of people that watched, but many of you didn't watch because you have better things to do with your life or it was late. So that's why we're going to go through it again. We've had some time over the weekend to metabolize what's happened. I've had sort of the change of life and then back and then back again and then the other way again. <laughs> so it's going to be an interesting discussion. Tom's going to be mad at me. He's going to call me stupid. Stupid. Where are you now for the listener? Let's just go through the event. Okay. Oh, my God. And then we'll sort of sum The suspense. Up. So, uh, you know, I've been trying to find the best reproduction of the event yes. online and, you know, the best place to find it. Wait, I, I, have, a, I have an idea. Go. Our YouTube channel. Thank you. Ah! Our YouTube channel. So um, I'm going to start where Elon comes out. Now, before this... Um, there was a little sort of SpaceX type of a couple of engineers saying we worked really hard and it's a really great car. And then they went over to the Gigafactory. And a lot of people were very critical of the quality of the presenters, that they were umming and arming, And uh, there was a lot of chatter about how bad they are. And so let's just deal with that right now. Come oh, on. But there were also, there were a fair amount of people doing that. But I will say in, the, in defense of the commenters, a lot of people came to their defense and were like, hey, man, these people are engineers. They're doing their best. Like there, were, there was a lot of very positive comments that I saw as well, which I thought was great. Yes, they struggled a little bit. They were probably very little pre-production would be my guess. They weren't quite sure what was going on. I'll, this is one thing that comes to sort of the fruition is that Tesla doesn't have a traditional marketing department, right? They don't have an ad they don't sell ads. They don't make commercials. They don't do any of that stuff. So there really is no director of marketing per se that can work with these people ahead of time, right? Like, so it falls to kind of whoever. I don't know. I mean, let's just say when you go to engineering school and you're successful at engineering school, you don't necessarily take any classes in public speaking or presentation. Right. I, they, the designer, he looked pretty slick. I thought he was really well-dressed. His hair he was done nicely. Job. He's a designer, obviously. But you know what I really liked the most about this event? Just get it off my chest. It was very employee-centric. Those people in the crowd, those were employees. Those are people who are going to get a Model S, X, 3. They're so jazzed up. The employees over at the Gigafactory, they were putting the employees up front and highlighting them and showing us more people who are making this car sort of spreading the the love of the tesla community around tesla yeah i thought that was good as well and i should say for the record we're actually recording this not in our audio studio recording it in our video studio so that we can capture some of these images and we'll be throwing it up for you guys um for those that want to look at the images that we're looking at we'll try and describe them as we go but if you've noticed the audio is a little different and stuff i thought this this one time Capturing some of the um, images of what we're talking about is really important because that's what we've been really wondering about is what does the inside finally look like? Um, so enough of the they weren't very good speakers. I thought that was just completely silly. Um, then we went to Project Love Day. So Bryn Love Day was the 10-year-old, now 11-year-old girl that said to Elon, you should have uh, fans make your videos for you because you don't do any advertising. So we got the three finalists, and I just wanted to get your quick thoughts about that. So there was uh, number three was sort of a mashup, very quick uh, woman who said, here's all the fun things about uh, Tesla. There was number two, which was the spaceman. 
who was then hopped into an X, and that was his spaceship that he'd been hoping for all his life. And then number one uh, was uh, Marquise Brownlee, who's a very famous internet personality, who made a fun little video about you know how much stuff he could put in his car, and then he raced a uh, Lamborghini and you know beat them. I thought they were all very good. Actually, my favourite though, I would have chosen the Spaceman one as number one. I thought that was the most interesting. <laughs> What about you guys? What do you want? You are such a geek. I'm probably picking the third place one just because it's oh. I've I that was one of the first ones that I watched and I really thought it was kind of smartly put together, well edited. Probably one of the most difficult ones to kind of pull off. Although the Lamborghini oh, yeah. one had a lot of camera angles and and was really much more professionally done, but I don't know. Did that guy game the system a little because he's got so many followers and that's why Probably. he ended up winning? Do you game the system because you have such experience in presenting? Do I? Yeah. Yeah, of course I, I do. I mean, you know, that we all use our talents. And yeah. If you think about which commercial you could actually put up at the Super Bowl if ever you wanted to, his was awesome. I think he hit all the high points. The car holds a lot of stuff. It beautiful. looks beautiful. And it's fast. Of course, not everybody has... A uh, Tesla that can beat a Lamborghini. In fact, I don't think any of us would do. No, we don't have ludicrous mode. But I thought Marcus's thing was really good. I actually showed it to Grandpa. I showed him all three, and he uh, loved them all. But he thought he just had burst into hysterics. He's like, well, they're not going to show the, um, the drag race, it? right? And then I'm like, Is wait. And then it drives past. And he's like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> he's already home. While he's, hold- <laughs> while he's hauling his milk into the house. Uh, so it was very good. Congratulations to all of those people. I thought they were all fantastic. I haven't watched a you know a tiny fragment of all the other ones, but I'm sure there's other spectacular How much of there. that stuff in his car, in uh, Marcus's car, could have fit in the Lamborghini? Actually, the only criticism I have of Marcus's is that None he could have put a lot more stuff in the back of the car. There was still room. <laughs> there was still room. I maybe two of those bags of groceries. That would be about it. Maybe he should have filled it with the rest of the space with stuffed monkeys. Oh, yeah, like here in the studio. <laughs> Interesting. So now let's get to uh, Elon. So Elon drives up. So Franz von Schuttenwarten. Oh, my God. Uh, the chief Franz von Holzhausen. 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 Uh, Holzhausen. You did that one on purpose. Yeah, I did. And uh, so he comes out. And uh, says, uh, well, you don't want to talk to me. You want to talk to Elon. So Elon comes up in a red Model 3, and let's just play the audio and then discuss. So let's get the first impressions here. Hey, everyone. So, for those that are watching this uh, online, there's a couple of things I want to point out uh, before I go into the presentation. Uh, the... The projector that is producing that image is powered by a Model S. There are no wires. So that is a projector on a Model S with the energy coming from the battery pack. And that is what's producing that, that image. And that, that is the factory. Like a lot of people may not realize, that is, that is actually part of the factory. That is not a screen. <laughs> and the people in the audience are the people that have designed and engineered and built the Model 3. So uh, Tom called this when we were doing the live show immediately. There was the car there. I didn't even realize there was a projector on top. And Tom goes, they're going to say that that projector is being uh, powered by the car. And sure enough, it was nice call. You did that last time we went to a live event where we're walking in. And I can't remember which one it was, but there were these big batteries there. And he goes, watch this. During the event, 
because it was the battery event, that's right. He's like, they're going to say this whole thing tonight has been powered by the battery. So Tom's good at the, the detail, <laughs> all right? That's the car from Racing Extinction. That's the car that Leilani Munter drove around. I actually got to see that car at last year's National Drive Electric Week. Month, day, event. And that car's really cool. In the front, you notice there was a second pop-up from the frunk. That was actually an infrared camera that could see automobile exhaust uh, that you don't see. And they can turn that on. And it's actually in the movie Racing Extinction. It is why I use biodefense mode when I'm on the freeway sitting in traffic. The amount of pollution that's on that freeway coming from all those vehicles is, is choking. It's crazy. We don't see it, but that camera does. And it's amazing to see what they put in that video. It's interesting you bring that up because I just saw uh, the lungs of a 70-year-old gentleman who was hit by a car who'd never smoked in his life, who'd lived in Los Angeles, and they look like the lungs of a smoker. So this is sort of my spiel to people now. It's like, even if you're silly and don't believe in science and global warming, um, the pollutants, (laughs) the badness from cars, ice cars, is another thing we need to fix, and this is a way of fixing it. Yeah, I don't want to have an infrared camera on the front of my car because I don't want to see any of that. Yeah, they actually had it totally take out the back end. The glass is gone. They did a lot of work to that car. And you notice it's a gray. I don't know if they actually, I couldn't see it from my phone because I was only watching on my phone. But the actual skin, they have a, a wrap on the car that's electrified. And when they hit a switch, they can put patterns on the car. So they had put patterns on this car when I saw it. I saw it a couple times, actually, with like leopard skin and different types of animal uh, patterns on it. And it's really cool. It's kind of subtle, but I've never seen a car that you could actually change what the car looks like from inside on a computer. So let's keep going here. He's now going to tell us how much effort they put in. All right. So let's talk about what goes into making the Model 3. It starts off with design. Uh, so congratulations to the design team. You've done a phenomenal job. I've enjoyed working with you every week. You guys are amazing. Nice work. So there, there are many elements that, uh, of, of the design. It's, uh, it's difficult to actually say exactly um, what makes it good, but except to say that we, we agonize over every curve, over every detail, every corner, every element of the interior, the exterior, uh, including things that people probably won't even notice. We, we care about every, every, every part of it. The, yeah, so let's go to the next part of the interior. We aim for something that was uh, a very simple, clean design. Uh, so much to talk about here. I guess we'll start right now um, because this is actually a really good image. So we put a lot of effort in. We made it really pretty. We made it really good. I love how he says we agonized over every curve. It sounds like a glamour magazine mm-hmm. and all these people are into it, but it's a car. It's a little bit Steve Jobsian in that like Steve Jobs would make sure that the inside of the computers was absolutely perfect and people like this attention to detail is quite ridiculous. Nobody's ever going to see it. But that's what they're suggesting is like every single bit fit and finish inside, outside, we were painstaking. Right? Yes, as all designers are of all of their things. Otherwise, they're just putting blocks of of plastic. <laughs> like, Otherwise, it's a Yugo. A thing, right, it's a yeah. Yugo, Otherwise, yeah. it's a Yugo. But yeah, they did a, a phenomenal job. You know, there's, there's, there's two camps out there, right? You read the comments. It's minimalist design. A lot of people are like, minimalist design is not an excuse for massive cost cutting, right? So until we get in the car and can give our real opinions of like, is it minimalist or is it cheap? 
right? Because that's that's the argument right now that he took out all of the stuff to try to reduce expenses of the car because he's trying to make a cheap and inexpensive as inexpensive a car as he can, not a cheap car, but as inexpensive. But at, a- at the same time, he said that in another few years, you're probably not even going to be driving your car. Your car is going to be driving you. So you don't need all that stuff. Right. Get rid of it. And in fact, some of the things that they did, I don't know, can we talk about details of the car? Or no? Well, yeah, I'm, right now I'm showing a picture of, um, well, they're showing a picture of the inside of the car. And it's that minimalist thing that you're talking about. You've got a steering wheel with a couple of knobs. You've got the center display. You have no binnacle display. You've got that big, long dash, and it is super simplistic. And there's only two sticks on the steering wheel column instead of four, which we have on the Model S and X. We have four? And those little balls on the steering wheel control everything. everything. Like they're selectable, so you select them, click a button, and they can control the mirrors. I forgot. I haven't gotten a look for where the hazard button is because I believe that is law. You have to have a physical button for the hazard signal. It can't be uh, like a. It has to be. You, can, you don't have to. You can't be energy dependent. Like your screen goes dark or anything like that. So I haven't picked that one out. I'm sorry. So what do you think of this? Uh, when I first saw it, this image and one like it. I thought this is very weird. I showed it to my son who's 17, who's just started driving. He's like, I don't think I like that. And I think people's first impression is, that's so different, I don't like it. But having sat on this for two days, three days, I now look at some of these images and I'm like, I get it. This is like an iPhone. This is slick, rounded edges, but very minimalistic. And it's already sort of... uh, when I go back and look at uh, normal interiors of cars, like, wow, that's really loud and busy. So I'm already coming around to this being um, sort of the future of how cars are going to look. Yeah, I mean, relative to, let's just, let's compare it to the Chevy offerings, the Volt and the Bolt, right? Relative to those two, those things have buttons all freaking over the place. It's hard to tell from a photo, right? So again, the... The comments from people, some people who are in the car have loved the minimalism and some people are wanting more out of it. But again, some of that is like, I'm just used to seeing my car look a certain way and this is a completely different way of looking at a car. But if you go into the first generation Volt, the first thing that I noticed was, man, there are a lot of buttons and weird things in here that I don't really like the way that GM had put those together. And that's why, again, I go back and saying this is sort of the inflection point because, as he said, they put a huge amount of time into the design of this car. The Bolt is basically a Chevy, what is it, Cruze with some electricity in it. Every other electric car until Tesla was basically taken a gas car with design that was done in the 50s and tweaked since then and put some electricity in it. This is a car that has been built from the ground up and now the inside is being built from the ground up for a future which is going to be very different than the lots of knobbly bits that we're used to. You're basically going to go click, click. The car's going to drive you. Every now and then you might have to intervene, but mostly the car's going to do whatever it wants. Well, it's the difference between a tech company and a car company, right? Which is like, that's the conversation we have a lot. Is Tesla a tech company? They figured out they can use software and minimal uh, buttons to control all of this stuff. Like that was Steve Jobs thing, right? The thing's got a button. Like he was not happy that he had to have the on off button and the the audio up and down volume buttons. Like he would have got rid of those as soon as he possibly could. And yet they're still sitting on the phone. I feel bad for the person who doesn't have a cell phone because they're not going to be able to drive this car. 
And what I think is impressive is that when I first got the Model S uh, back in 2013, you know, people were like, what? There's no key? Where do you put the key? I had to like tell valets what to do. In fact, I still have a card in my Model S first generation and they had a pocket in the driver's seat just below where your, your, your thighs would sit the front side of the seat. And in that pocket would go this card that explained like, how do you operate this car? You don't have a key. You need to have the key, but you don't need to put it anywhere. You just push your foot on the brake pedal and then you can uh, you know, go forward backwards. Now we've gone one step further. You don't need a key. You just walk up to your car. It knows it's you. It opens up, you get in and you put your foot on the brake and you go. And what's wrong with that? And initially there was a little burst of, I don't think this is right. This is wrong. What if, you know, you're walking by your car and it unlocks and some, you know, some bad person jumps in your car with you and all of this hyperbole about this paradigm change. And now we've got the next step. I think this is all going to just go by the wayside and it's going to be ignored and people are going to, in mass, going to say, why isn't every car like this? Yeah. I, in If you want to affect significant change, which is what Elon wants to do, you have to tick off, seriously tick off at least 10% of the people, maybe more, and you're hearing that. If you want to not tick off anybody, you basically do exactly the same that everybody else has done and you change one thing. So I'm coming around to this now. I think this is starting to look better. Beautiful. And a number of people, and there's not a lot yet, but people who are sort of, who've gotten the car, have driven it around saying, it is amazing how quickly uh, it is to get used to the center display. And the way, they're going to change this around, but right now they have this, the speedometer, which is the thing that most of us want to look at, see how much we're breaking the law by, is uh, pretty close (laughs) to where the binnacle display would be. And my problem with binnacle displays is the fact that you have to look around the steering wheel all the time. And uh, maybe this fixes that problem. Maybe this in five minutes is going to be, why would you go back to a binnacle display? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like if you've been driving a Tesla S, then the three isn't the huge leap for you, right? That, that's not that's not the people who are going to be confused about the big screen and that that's where all the controls are found and all that. It's the it's the other folks who are driving the Camrys and the Corollas and the and the Maximas and all those other things that are going to be like, where are all my buttons? How do I control my climate and this and that and the other thing? It's going to take anybody time to get used to it. When I first got in the Model S, and this is for the people who have not yet driven a Tesla, I got in the Model S, I was on the forum all the time, and I was so dialed in, I knew other people who had the Model S. When I first sat in that Model S, I felt very uncomfortable, very out of my element. It was a completely different car. And then I drive it out of the factory, and I'm heading back to Los Angeles with my son next to me, and I'm like, buddy, can you please operate that center screen? Because I just want to watch the road. I'm driving this amazing new car. I don't want to dent it, hit anything. And it took me a month, maybe six weeks, to really feel comfortable sitting in it. Now, it's like, you know, nothing. I, I'm, I'm completely not distracted by all the electronics and stuff. I know where all the where to tap my finger to adjust this and to change that and so on and so forth. But, you know, initially, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable. When the iPhone first came out, um, there was the same discussion. This is going to be a failure, complete failure. Where are the knobbly bits? Where is the BlackBerry typey bit? And um, how did that go down? 
I think it's pretty popular. I think it went okay. The iPhone? Yeah, they yeah. sold a few. I think I've got like a 19-inch stack of all the iPhones <laughs> I've purchased at my house. And so we're thinking this is going to be the same way. It'll be five minutes from now. We're like, cars had so many ridiculous things. And look at how slick they can be. Yeah. Let's continue on with the video here. Uh, in the future, or really future being now, um, that uh, the cars will be increasingly autonomous. So... You won't really need to look at an instrument panel all that often. Uh, you'll be able to do whatever you want. Um, you'll be able to watch a movie, uh, talk to friends, go to sleep. Uh, every model, every Tesla being produced right now, uh, the Model 3, the Model S, the Model X, has, has all of the hardware necessary for full autonomy. And I think a lot of people still don't realize that. Uh, it's got eight, the eight cameras, it's got uh, 12 ultrasonic sonar, it's got the forward radar, um, and it's got uh, over 10 terops of computing capability. So uh, let's talk about that for a second. The future is here. Well, it's not. Uh, I have hardware 2.0, and uh, it's kind of autonomous a little bit, but it is not an autonomous vehicle yet. So he quickly follows up, and he doesn't say, he said, like, the future is here, but um, he doesn't go and make the statement that he can't back up, which is, it's going to drive itself. Oh, it's driving itself already. It's very useful. When you have autonomous driving or auto steer or uh, autopilot 2.0 or 1.0 going, it does make using that screen a lot easier because you know you're being distracted, but the car's kind of got your back. So you can look over and you're like, the car's going to keep me in the lane. The other thought about that was he stated explicitly here that every car now, every S, every X, and every Model 3 has the hardware in it for full autonomy. I don't think that there was much doubt about that, but every car coming off the line has all of the stuff on there. You just have to pay extra to turn it on. Yep. Yeah. Which, when people, we come to talk about costs, we'll we'll get into. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people seemingly very pissed off. You know, I understand that if you're in the market for a Model Three and you don't have the extra income to buy the S or the X, that you know, an extra three grand, an extra five grand, an extra eight grand is a lot of money, and that makes a big difference. And I understand that. Um, why would it be cheaper on a Model 3? I don't know. It's the same stuff. Um, and it's I, not cheaper, right? If no, you want it's exactly not, but that's price. what he's saying. He's saying, like, some people are upset that it isn't right. cheaper. Right. right? Yeah, There's like unrealistic cheaper. expectations like, really about upset. what was about to happen, like that he was going to, uh, you know, offer the full autonomy hardware right. for half the money that he was charging as people because, well, they can afford it. Like, right. That's just We'll weird. see, though, once they start delivering these cars to the non-employees, whether or not they're going to make it more expensive to add the uh, five or $3,000 upgrade. Are they going to make it 5500 and 3500 Are they going to jack up the price if you decide to do it later? I think that would be kind of a, 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 the wrong move. Well, they can't do it, in my opinion, on the full autonomy one. Like, because that's not working, right? You're paying for something that is just not working. Like enhanced autopilot, okay, fine. That one maybe is a day one purchase. But the next one, like, that could be literally years. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I think that's a really good point. I rushed out and bought a Model S because I got overexcited. Oh, it's going to have all full autonomy. And I paid the extra money, and uh, and it's nowhere near ready for full autonomy. And I don't expect right. to see any of that for another year. So if you're out there thinking of a Model 3, should I spend that extra 3000 I would say don't, uh, even if they're going to charge you more later, because we just don't know how long it's going to be. It is an issue about uh, the sort of autopilot stuff. Should you buy it right now? And I think that is one of the best parts of the car. So I don't think, for most people have asked me, 
um, that you should get this car without it because that's such a good part of it. But that's five grand. Yeah. yeah. That's a I, lot of cash. I use it a lot. I use it a lot. But I can say that after this last upgrade, I don't actually think it's that much better. In fact, in many situations, I think it's worse. So, you know. Worse we, than AP1. No, I didn't. I, I drove AP1. It's pretty darn solid. I'm talking about AP2 has had multiple versions along the way. Uh-huh. And the most recent updates in July were supposed to make it, quote, silky smooth. Right. It's not better. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's so you're saying better. the newest version of what is in the car is not was not an improvement. I don't think it's an improvement. I've 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 felt more scared, more uncomfortable. Okay. So I think that everybody's going to go through this development of autopilot kind of with Tesla. It's like I feel like I'm a Tesla engineer or a guinea pig and I'm part of the process. And that's very uncomfortable, but at the same time I'm very excited because at least they're freaking doing it. I realize that, you know, Cadillacs come out with something that sounds really good. And one of the nurses I work with has an Acura and he really likes his lane assist and uh, adaptive cruise control. I don't know. You know, I don't know that it's got all of the, the goodness of the Tesla. But if Tesla is really going to send uh, a car, I don't know which one, from L.A. to New York City in November, Right. That's like the stretch goal of Mm -hmm. Elon. Then that's going to make a huge difference. Plus the fact that we're talking about it, using it, buying it, and he's pushing it is just going to push the government entities that much harder to make this real. Well, the government wants this, right? Because it, they know in the long run it's going to be safer, right? There's no reason for the regulators the, – the reason for the regulators to kind of hold it back is in, until it works. But once it works and they can prove that it works, there's no reason for, for it not to be approved because it's going to save lives. Even now when you talk about the crash protection, that all of these cars, regardless of whether or not you pay the extra 5000 or the extra 3000 right, this car has – the safety features where it won't smash into the car in front of it. Like that's active as a standard feature, which a lot of cars now have. And that in and of itself is a really amazing safe feature, especially for like me and Mel talk about a lot, our new drivers. Like that's an incredible, incredible thing to have. Actually, go on. I was going to say that there was an article that quoted Caltrans. That's the California Transportation Authority that's in charge of highways and everything, that they are uncomfortable with autopilot because when it comes to shared driving, you said this too, Tom, that it's going to increase congestion and increase motor vehicle traffic. And they're worried that the road system cannot handle a sudden bump, not gradual, but sudden bump in the amount of people using cars. So one thing I would say, so again, there's probably a lot of people listening to this wondering about, you know, they maybe not have had a Tesla before. This is going to be their first car. Should they get uh, autopilot? And I actually think there is an argument for saying don't get it yet. Um, It's $5,000. It's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And currently the versions of autopilot that we're using in the newest S's has problems. And unless you are prepared to be like Robert and me and other early adopters, a bit of an engineer and you're prepared to accept this is not quite right, but I'm going to work with it, um, then don't get it. I was thinking particularly about my son. I was thinking, wow, this car is now so expensive. I'm not getting this for my son. But if you then say, um, well, I'm just going to get the most passed down version of it for a, a kid or for a new person to Tesla, I perhaps wouldn't put it in there. Can I because translate? if they're not going to 
really uh, focus on this and just think it's going to work, it actually may increase the number of accidents, not decrease, because it's not ready for new drivers to just trust. And I, and I think that the the problem is that is that part is completely accurate and 100% true, but then you're like in this situation where you, you know eventually it's going to work and they're going to charge you 20% more for it down the line. Like that's very frustrating from somebody who really is more of a, if you're a long-term financial sort of uh, viewer, right, where you look at things in the long term, like if I buy a better X, but it's going to last for 20 years, you know, that's, I'd rather do that than go to the 99 cent store and buy the cheap version of the, whatever that is, that, that becomes a very difficult paradigm for, for me very much so to, to know that if I don't buy it now, I'm eventually going to pay more for the same stuff. But we don't know if you're going to have to pay more. We don't know. That is an argument. If we knew every single thing that we have talked about in the 96 shows, as far as, as consistency of pricing between the S, the X, all of the things. What we said months ago, for the most part, the prices were the same, right? Like all of the things, they're not they're not reinventing the wheel, <laughs> to so to speak, right? <laughs> when they when they put these things out. Autopilot costs the same. So why isn't there why do you not think there's gonna be the additional bump up? Well, is there right now? Because they've changed the configurator there so is much. On, so for the S's and X's, yeah. You pay you either still, pay now or you pay a little more. A little later. more, and is that still how it is? Because it changes bucks. every five yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, it does change every five minutes. So the other uh, question I have that for, in you, the algorithm. for you, Tom, is um, if you're if you we all kind of think it's kind of expensive to pay an extra eight grand to have full autonomy in our cars. I agree. What's the other option? Like, Don't buy it now. Who else can offer that? No, I understand that. But, 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 but what I'm saying is, so let's say you buy the Tesla, you decide not to buy the $5,000 enhanced autopilot and the $3,000 full autonomy. But eventually they're like, hey, this thing is working 100%. You're reading all these things. So now you're paying an extra $2,000. That's all I'm saying is like there's a premium – to for not being a guinea pig the reason to not buy it so you're right if it's going to be cost a lot more that's a bit of a difficulty but the reason not to buy it is that again i'll go back to particularly the full autonomous driving three thousand dollar package we don't know when you're going to be able to use that it's quite possible that you'll own this car for two or three years and that won't be turned on right so i would say don't buy it because you might have flipped it and got another tesla uh, before that even gets turned on I will for sure not be buying that $3,000 bit, even though it does drive me crazy to think that eventually full self-driving capability is going to cost me you know, an extra $1,000. So right now on the S, yep. it's $3,000, 4000 after delivery for the full self-driving capability and $5,000 ahead of time and $6,000 after delivery for enhanced autopilot. So that's, you know, it takes something that is now 8000 and makes it 10000 Yeah, That's not nothing. That's, right. That's a lot. But, you know, do you know that the computer that they're running in this car has like 12 CPU cores? It's water-cooled. It's got... It's a very expensive computer. Yeah, I get it. but And it's what, not working properly. <laughs> right, I get it. And that's that's awesome, but can I do the rest of my work on it? No. Right. Because Elon has suggested that as well, and that's another reason not to get it. They're still not clear if this computer is fast enough to do what they want because they've said, and if we need to, we can pop that puppy out and put a new one in. Right, so, so that's again, a that's not sort of – that doesn't give you this sense that I should get it right now because two years from now, I might need a new computer. 
here's a perfect question, right? So let's say you put your money towards enhanced autopilot and you put your money towards full self-driving capability. And, and all along, Elon's been like, this is all the hardware. This is all the hardware you need. And then it, it turns out maybe it isn't. Right. You're going to be pretty darn pissed off that you had spent giving him all of this money. And it's going to really hurt Tesla because he's going to be on the hook. He's going to have to do like the free recall upgrade on all of that hardware, which would be, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not trying to be like the doomsday guy. I don't want anybody to take that out of proportion, but it is a possibility that they haven't gotten there. Right. Yeah, I agree with you that. So he keeps saying this, all the, everything you need, everything you need for full autonomy, full autonomy, just going to turn on when it's ready. But they have suggested that maybe they're not quite sure if it is fast (laughs) enough. So you're right. If they have to pull it out to give you really, truly full autonomy, they're going to have to do it for free or there is going to be an uproar. Exciting times. <laughs> Exciting Let's times. Let's continue on because there is so much more to discuss. We've barely scratched the surface. So one of the challenges with the, the car was, uh, since it is smaller than a Model S, how do we um, make a car that is smaller on the outside, bigger on the inside? So we took an idea from the Model X, which was the, 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 the canopy screen. That makes you feel like you're, if you're in a Model X, it makes you feel like you're uh, flying a helicopter. It really has this amazing feel. And we turned that around, put that on the rear of the Model 3 so that you could still have a great deal of rear headroom and have, have this amazing view while being in a smaller car. It's actually was one of the toughest design challenges of making the Model 3. What do you think about that? It looks great in pictures. So they've got this huge glass back. It opens it up and... Um, more headroom. More headroom. My concern about that, it's easily fixed, but my concern about that is in the X on a hot day in California... That glass, which is reflecting like 99% of UV rays and stuff, still gets pretty warm. And uh, I'm short. My head isn't up near the glass. So I'm concerned about that. They sent, after the X came out, this big um, shade structure that you can pop in there that works really well. And that makes it much more pleasant. But I'm concerned that in the 3, and a number of people have already said this who have actually been in the 3, it's a little... uh, uncomfortably warm in the back of that with the canopy glass. So I think that the glass that they use for the X front windshield is different than the glass that they use for the roof on the Model S, and I believe it's different than the glass that they use on the backside of the Model 3. It's got a different configuration. Mine, uh, I've been now, uh, whatever, all summer long with this car, and there are days when I get in the car, and yes, the car is warm inside. A little warmer than it would have been if I had a solid uh, body panel roof, but I don't think it's that much warmer. As soon as I kick on that air conditioning, literally moments, I don't know, three minutes later, I'm comfortable. I've held my hand all the way up from like chest high, all the way up to the glass. I really don't feel any heat until I get within about an inch, a little less. And then I feel like the glass is hot, but I'm not feeling heat coming through the glass. So if you're really tall, like six, eight, six, seven, your head's going to be up near that glass. You're going to feel some warmth up there. But overall, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Is it only manufacturing simplicity why they don't offer a body-colored roof anymore? Is that the only reason? Well, people have speculated that it's easier for the robots to do the work of humans of putting the seats and the interior components into the car if you have big, wide-open spaces, which makes sense. Those Kukla or Kula, whatever they're, the big robots are big. 
They got big spots. You know, they don't, they can't do all the work that we do, but at the same time, they're dependable and they do the same work every single time. And until but you could do that with just a piece of metal, you know, at the last thing you put on is boom. No, you can't really. I mean, because it has to be welded and painted and sanded. Like you, you it would be less secure, like integrated wise. I mean, I guess they could theoretically put a metal plate instead of the glass, glass. plate. Yeah, that's but, what I'm thinking. Metal but plate. I, I feel like. There would be weird, like you, you, you get different seams, right? Because it, it would have to be an adhesive. My guess is there's a reasoning behind why they don't. And do this that. may not be a problem. I was worried about uh, safety, but when you look at safety videos, which we'll get to, it doesn't seem to be a problem. So the heat could be a problem. We don't know if they're using new glass. Maybe that's not an issue. But there will be solutions for people who really psychologically think that uh, they're getting hotter than normal to put up some shade structure like in the X. For me, it's not even necessarily about being harder than normal. I have really sensitive eyes, mm. right? So like all of that light could be problematic for me. Robert's over there smiling, but I do because I spent you know, 20 years in a dark flies. room. I spent 20 years in a dark room with flashes going you, you off. Like right? So my eyes are super, eyes, super sensitive you? to light. I think they're blue eyes. They are. Thanks for noticing. I appreciate that. That's well, lovely. you know, I have... No less than four different kinds of Tesla hats. Uh-huh. You now have a Tesla hat from the Arizona Club. I right? do. Southern yeah. Arizona Club. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll wear it. I'll wear it if it's a really bright and sunny day. Have you seen how spectacular I my also, hair looks? <laughs> I also wear these things on my face. They're called sunglasses. I wear them too, Robert. And they work well. Right. But, but right now I wear sunglasses in a car with a roof. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so now I'm going to be wearing Brim. sunglasses. In a, I get, I get it. But that's dude. a like I, It's not like I was like want. sitting here trying to figure out what I was going to do. I'm just saying, like, that's a difference. Like, for instance, I don't like to drive. I have a moonroof. Yeah. I don't like to drive with that thing open because a mm-hmm. lot of sun gets in there. Sure, maybe that, maybe it's different glass, but we live in the desert. So one of the guys that I know from. Uh, the Phoenix area, who had one of the first panoramic sunroofs. That's the sunroof before they changed the name. On the Model S, he lives in Phoenix. It gets, what, 120 degrees there on many days of the year. Mm-hmm. He had another layer of like 3M, uh, what's it called, ceramic uh-huh. window tinting yeah. put on the on the glass of the roof. And it makes him feel much more comfortable. And that would be one way to get around. What's it. that going to cost me? Uh, I don't of my $60,000 car additional cost. Maybe a hundred bucks to put it okay. one, a big piece up there. Nice. There's also a, after, I don't know if it's aftermarket or Tesla sells. There's actually one of those like sort of spring out hoop like, yeah. uh, window shades That's that you could put about. on the sunroof, the model S sunroof. So there's a, there's solutions. There is there. solutions. So Again, we don't really know. Maybe this glass is much better. It is a potential problem. I do think it's funny that if you're going to put the kids in the car, you're like, make sure you have your sunglasses, your hat, and put on your SPF because we're going in the car. <laughs> what? Well, this is That's another a new paradigm. Yeah. This is another reason, and might, we might have actually foreseen this, why they've created that protection feature where the AC will come on if the heat in the car gets too high right. because you might have a child or a pet in the car. So maybe that was one of the reasons why they pre-engineered that because they were going to go to all glass roofs. Just hope you're not sitting on 20 miles of range when that thing kicks in in the middle yeah. of the summer, right? <laughs> I'm sure that software hum- somehow you know will modify that. They haven't been you can as turn pro- it off. They have not been as proactive as I thought they would be using the app to sort of notify you of these issues. Like your car is sitting at the airport parking lot and you're on a trip, and all of a sudden it says, "Hey, buddy, uh, in another day you're going to brick your battery." Uh, Maybe call AAA or have something done to fix your car up, yeah. you know. So for people who don't know, in the, 
the Model S and X, there is this, it's, you can toggle on or off, but it defaults to on, which is it'll stop the cabin temperature getting over 100. It's for dogs, it's for cars, uh, for people, um, but you can turn it off. Ice cream. If you park outside like I do in a very hot area, that thing basically runs all day. Yeah. And so I have to turn it off or it'll just, you know, run the electricity all day. It is, it's potentially really cool, but it would be nice, and we've, we'll get to that with the app, for the app to just tell me and then I can, on my app, toggle off and on. Isn't that number three on your list? So many problems. Falcon wing doors. Falcon wing doors. Superchargers. Thank you. My car's yeah. on most of the time. My, our S is on most of the time in our driveway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just when I walk by, just like, yeah. yeah, just go in. And the Test Lab app actually tells you how much the car has been doing that. Like right. it gives you your efficiency based on like, oh, you drove this much, but your car used this much power just sitting there. Right. For real? Mm-hmm. I got to check that out. Yeah. All right, let's hear more from Elon. And then in, in terms of engineering the car, we had to engineer it to be a lot easier to build. Uh, the Model S is an amazing car, but it's very hard to build. So we have to get the part count down, design still to be light, uh, but also to make it affordable. And the I think that the team's done an amazing job of that. And then where this really shows up is in things like safety. Okay, before he gets into safety is the Model S is a difficult car to build. The Model X, as he has said many times, hubris, silliness, falcon wing doors, incredibly difficult to make, big problems getting it off the production line, huge delays of getting it into production, and they've learnt their lesson. This is a a car that has to be built uh, fast and hopefully have really good build quality because they have to ramp up the production. He's going to talk more about that. Let's look at the safety because uh, the number one reason, I still don't believe this, but I'm told that the number one reason people buy cars or a particular car is safety. I don't believe that for a second, but... That's been quoted a number of times. Uh, Let's see if this is a second. It's definitely in in my algorithm, but it's not the number one reason. I mean, it's the reason Volvo exists, right? Like, they don't make the most gorgeous cars on the planet, but, like, selling safe cars has been a pretty key marketing point for them. Safety is absolutely key, particularly when you're buying a car for a son, a daughter, a relative. It becomes, yeah, probably the most important thing. You have a new baby? So uh, let's see what they did with safety. So there's a picture here, and I should just tell you on the video here, you've got a Volvo S60, which is a uh, five-star safety car, and you've got a Tesla Model 3, and they're doing just showing just one video of uh, the side impact crashy crash. So you've got what is considered one of the safest cars versus the Model 3. They're throwing it sideways into a pole, and what happens next? So on the one hand, you've got a car that is one of the safest cars in the world, a Volvo S60. Now, the, the crowd's going wild because the Model 3 has very little indentation. The Volvo, which is the really safe car, is basically folding in half. It's not folding in half. It's folding a lot. There's probably a differential of at least 12 inches yeah. of interior uh, violation. <laughs> So the, the, um, um, there are a lot of cars that say they are five-star, and they are sort of uh, five-star. That's not a scientific metric, uh, but, they, you can, but even though they are something like the Volvo, great car, very, by normal standards, very safe. Uh, the, the, the Volvo is arguably the second safest uh, car in, in the world. Um, but I think it is, it is obvious which car you would prefer to be in in an accident. So 
the first and foremost for the engineering of the, of the of the car was safety. Then, in terms of production, so safety was first and foremost. And I got to tell you, being on the fence about whether I'm going to get this car, when they say this is a super safe car, and if this turns out to be true in independent testing that this is a ridiculously safe car, that changes the metric for me substantially. I want a safe car for my family. If you type into the Google search, safest cars for teenagers, the Volvo S80 is the number one car. That's S80. an expensive car. That You could buy a used S80 for under $10,000 in any city in America right now. What's it uh, new? What's a new Volvo? I don't know. The S80? I don't know. I can find that out. But it's, so it's a safe car. Um, and as he said, there, the rating system right now is probably going to change because you've got a number of cars that are rated five stars, which is something like you have a 5% chance of a significant injury under the testing circumstances. But the S, when it was tested, basically was significantly safer than other cars to the point where people were discussing there should be a six-star rating and ultimately one day maybe a seven-star rating. And the best safety you can get is I didn't get into an accident, and that's where autonomy comes in. For sure. So the S, the 2017 S60 is a MSRP from 33950 So right there right around in the, the ballpark. The S80, which is the one I was just discussing, is $44,000. And again, like a few years later, they don't hold, they're not holding their resale value. So... And the problem with buying secondhand cars is that this technology has changed very quickly. So even a car from five years ago doesn't have the same number or type of airbags and crumple zones. So if you're going to buy a secondhand car because it's a Volvo and it's safe, you really need to compare the safety of that car right. versus a new car that might be yeah, you yeah. Know, cheaper. You've so, got to make sure it has the knee airbags, all the other things. Right. And, I, and I believe those have been around for, for quite a while. And so. even in the S, we know that there were some problems with side collision in the S where the little dummy would whack its head on the side pillar. Dummy and they, whacker. They put in another airbag up there to reduce that problem. So let's go on. So number one was safety. What's the next thing that they have to achieve with this car, Elon? The, the thing that's going to be the, the major challenge for us over the next six to nine months is how do we build a huge number of cars? The, um, <laughs> I mean, and frankly, we're going to be in production hell. Um, <laughs> welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome to production hell. Um, that, that's going to be uh, where we are for, for at least six months, maybe longer. Um, but you guys know that you're veterans. Uh, I've been through this. So, um, I look forward to working alongside you, <laughs> journey through hell, and uh, as the saying goes, if, you, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> so, number one is safety. Number two, we've got to build these fast uh, production hell. Hopefully, they can do it because it's really going to kill their stock price if they can't keep up, and he is suggesting that they have a lot of barriers that they still have to overcome. This, uh, this led me to have one really important question. What brand of sleeping bag does Elon prefer? Yes. Because I think he's going to need at least one or two more. <laughs> this sounds a lot like when he was talking about the X when it first came out and he was talking about production hell and I've made a huge mistake at those alking wing doors. And um, he's going right. to talk more about all of the things that can go wrong. Yeah. How, many, how many Model 3 reservations did you, do you think they expected to have day one? I actually you mean heard day one of the March thirty first, two thousand sixteen. I think they expected around a hundred thousand. Nope, 
No, they were they were thinking like maybe fifteen thousand, yeah, maybe twenty thousand. That I talked to high level Tesla people face to face, and they were not expecting these numbers. They were like, when they got up to like a hundred thousand, they were like sweating. I think there was absolute anxiety because all of a sudden they went from going to build, you know. A, a fair, I mean, definitely a lot more cars than Model S and X, but this many? They had 100,000 people probably just in stores. Yeah, they had like 114,000, I think it was, on day one. Well, there's five in this room. They've got uh, <laughs> pre-orders for, uh, we believe now, over 500,000. Yes. We'll see yeah. if that goes down. He did down. announce half a million. Half yeah. a million. So he's going to talk a little bit more about uh, how you build uh, so many cars and the hell. I like that. I've never heard that quote before. If you're in hell, if keep you're going, going through hell, keep going. That's fine. Yeah, don't sit down and have lunch. <laughs> Just to give you a sense of the size of the factory, we've got uh, the, the Fremont car factory, where we are right now, is the second largest footprint uh, building in the world. So uh, what? They're building a gigafactory. It's going to be the biggest footprint factory in the world. And I had to stop this because really that Fremont factory is the second biggest. That's a not just it's not just the building of the old Numi plant he's referring to. Okay. They have bought and or leased so many structures around that that they are using for pre-assembly and sub-assembly, etc., that they now occupy an enormous amount of space, probably fifty percent more size than the factory itself so he's using all of the buildings well, that I mean, they like, purchased if in you're Fremont? doing the seat assemblies over there at that factory building and you've got the cars getting the seats over here. that doesn't make it a footprint in my opinion that makes it like a footprint and then some toes like you're walking down the beach a little uh. bit <laughs> <laughs> you know like they're kind of all over the place because the boeing he even talked about it later in this presentation about the size of the gigafactory being second only to the boeing factory in Seattle, I personally believe that was a misspeak, but, you know, we'll whatever. This is not the most important part of the presentation. It just made me go, what? No, it is not even close. <laughs> Let's continue. Half a million Model 3s um, and about 100,000 combined uh, SNX vehicles and, and maybe more if, if, if we can do it. But it just gives you, I want to give you a sense of, of the, the scale and the, um, how, how much has to go right. So... <clears throat> Then uh, a frequent question I get asked, um, I, I notice it's uh, popping up on, on So he's on showing a whole bunch of Twitter feeds. Uh, where is my Model 3? Um, sometimes not phrased quite as nicely. Is yours as in that. there, Tom? Um, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> we're, we're building the cars as fast as we can. We're going to drive this ramp as hard as we possibly can. Um, I have here a, a chart, uh, so if you uh, were had trouble falling asleep, then this chart will, might help you. Um, it, 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 the point is to, to give you a sense of, of how manufacturing actually works. There, there are 10,000 unique parts. So that chart is basically shows sort of the hockey stick. It's slow, slow, slow until about October, November, and then it really starts picking up. In a Model, th- in a model 3. And these are coming from all over the world. About, about two-thirds come from North America and about a third from the rest of the world. But as you can see uh, with this chart, uh, which looks like we're being shot with ICBMs. Uh, so this is uh, Fremont at the sort of base, and there's all these little um, look-like rockets that are headed towards Fremont, which is supposed to represent where all the parts are coming from, from all over the world. 
all collecting in Fremont. Including Australia. There's a dot in Australia, a dot in South Africa, a dot in Brazil. It's pretty amazing. And it's when you do a graphical representation like this and you hear him say there are 10,000 unique parts and then he talks about it and they all have to get there. Like if uh, you know the windshield is coming from Australia, I don't know if it is, Chilly. and they have a earthquake, you can't build your car. It's a problem. <laughs> I think that, that is the ICBM chart, actually. Um, <laughs> see if I see that. Well, we, we need missile command. <laughs> missile command button. Um, but uh, almost anything that goes wrong anywhere in the world, if we, don't have, if we haven't buffered the supply chain, will interrupt the, the, the production progress. Um, when you have 10,000 unique items in a, in a, in a vehicle or any, any, uh, any object, uh, any one of them uh, can slow down the production process. So the production rate will move as fast as the slowest and, and least luckiest component in, on the, in the whole mix. Then on top of that, we have the Gigafactory. So this is a, a self-motion. We started off with there being nothing. There was just a sort of desert and built what is now one of the largest, it's actually now the largest uh, battery factory in the world. And when it's done, uh, we'll produce more uh, lithium-ion batteries than the rest of global production combined from one building. So, in fact, let's let's go to the Gigafactory live, see if we can connect to them. So they're showing a shot of the Gigafactory and lots of workers. They're all happy. Encouragement, so they work harder, longer hours, more overtime. In Nevada, um, that helped make the pack, the battery pack, and the the, the motor, the powertrain. And um, so we've got giant, giant factory making battery packs and powertrains, giant factory making cars, and giant supply train. Um, and so all of those have to work together uh, in, in, in cadence in order to get to our initial target of 5,000 cars a week and then um, hopefully uh, by the end of next year towards 10,000 cars a week. So for those uh, people who are worried about where their car, they understand this. Um, they're working very hard. Uh, this is a very difficult problem to uh, do when you see you know, 10,000 unique parts all over the world. You've got to get this on time. Uh, keep sending Elon those Twitters because he's really apparently enjoying them when you're like, <laughs> you're an idiot, where's my car? But be nice. Don't call him an idiot. Uh, but he wants to tell us Not. about the second most common thing that he gets asked on Twitter. He may have gotten one of these from me. And then uh, you're probably wondering, okay, will I be able to charge my car? Um, well, this is like probably the second most common question I get on Twitter. Like, uh, the supercharger is full. Uh, what is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> why are you such a huge idiot? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, we, we are tripling the number. Of, by, by, by the end of next year, there will be three times as many superchargers as there are today. Stop right there. There's going to be three times as many superchargers at this time next year. In as one there year. are today. Three times as many. Did you notice They're not going to be here, though. Did you notice how many superchargers were at the Fremont factory? There was a trillion, apparently. There were, like, I counted 40 I went over that that little uh, hover video like seven times. I counted 40 superchargers there. They were all lit up. They all had cars at them. I don't know that they were plugged in anymore because the owners were just about to drive them away. But 40, 
That's a lot of superchargers. Evidently, looking at the forum, those are intended for employees you know, charging cars that are going to be delivered to customers. But I'm thinking if you're going to deliver 5,000 cars a week by the end of this year, you, how many superchargers do you need just to charge them up before you throw them on a truck and send them away? He's going to have to buy a nuclear oh. power plant. Oh, no. It's all about um, Three times as many is great. Um, I would like them all to be where I'm driving, but they're going to be all over the world. He's about to tell us about that. <laughs> we've done the math before. I'm still anxious because, as we've said so many times on this show, and I know you're going to yell at me, supercharging is fundamental to this car being a real car. So supercharging is as important as a ramp in production of Model 3. I could make you very happy right now. Could you? I looked at the supercharger map. Now, I know Robert is our supercharger guru, but if you look at the supercharger map for where we live, they're about to build three superchargers. Right. By the end of this year is what they're saying. One in Calabasas. Thank you. One in Northridge. Yes. And one in Sherman Oaks. Yep. Excellent. As well as another one in Thousand Oaks off the 101. So that is... A lot of supercharging that you won't use Thank in you. your area. So feel comfortable with the fact that uh, you will not need to supercharge. And uh, if I can get into any kind of situation where they're giving me free supercharging for life, <laughs> I will be joining Robert in the I'm using the supercharger for my daily driving. <laughs> yeah. So as of today, worldwide, there are 920 supercharger stations. And how many and plugs? And the average is just under six plugs. And the nice thing is, as I'm watching the supercharger network growing, there are very few supercharger stations with six or fewer plugs. They are coming out at a dozen, dozen at a clip, and some may, may much larger, as we've talked about. There's going to be two 40-plug uh, superchargers coming online in California and uh, this is this is great. I'm I'm really excited, and I think that uh, Tesla is doing again. Every they're, they're not, you know, they don't have the national budget of the United States. They're doing everything I feel in their power to get this thing going, and it's going faster than they expected. And there aren't really any other manufacturers that are picking up the slack. So uh, the, uh, by by there aren't really any many manufacturers. You mean any any yeah. there are any manufacturers? Right. The only one that's doing anything is Volkswagen. They're being forced to because they've been bad bad boys. We uh, talked about this last week. There was a really great article that we covered on the last week's show from another source saying, uh, "Let's just get down to brass tacks." The charging network here in the United States is a cluster except for Tesla because they're easy to find, they're fast, they're on my maps for a whole bunch of reasons. It's really the only robust drive-across-the-country um, network. So I'm feeling better mostly because I see the pain in Elon's face that he's heard these uh, Twitters. He's gotten the – he understands supercharging is fundamental to this car. And he also has had data since March of 2016 – or of where people live that want to buy these cars, right? right? So he's been able to sort of silently kind of map out, okay, there's a lot of cars here. We're going to need some chargers in this area. There's a lot of cars here. We're going to need some chargers in this area. And and be able to sort of like focus resources. And if they're not doing it that way, I would be shocked. I just don't know why Tesla doesn't do things like who's the head of the supercharger network and have them come out every now and then said, yeah, we're working really hard. Yeah, we know there's some problems over here. We've got pulling permits over here. Uh, this is happening. We're, we're mining the data. Just tell us that you're working on it. 
will make it people like me who are never going to use the supercharger network <laughs> anyway feel better about so it. i asked for this last week i said we need like the white house kind of tesla press room in fremont spicy you where spicy to. comes out and he's like today we're going to do an update with the head of supercharging who really loves to be on camera i'm sure and he's going to tell you just phone it in about all of these cross streets they and just, why he's picked this area for supercharging. They could just call us here at the Talking Tesla studio. We'll help them do this. Yeah, I'm that ready. sounds I'm great. I'm ready. But so I just looked at the numbers just really okay. quick. 6,135 plugs right now. 920 stations. That's 6.7 plugs per station. This is so in the world? Right now, world. 6,135. So triple that. We're getting close to 20,000 plugs by the end of next year. That's good, and we're going to need 10 times that. Let's go on. And, uh, essentially, you'll be able to go uh, almost anywhere, uh, North America, Europe, Asia, Australia, um, and uh, many parts of Asia and the, um, the Gulf area uh, by the end of next year. Eventually, you'll be able to go anywhere on Earth. Woo! Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, and, and actually, technically, you can go anywhere on Earth because anywhere on Earth where there's electricity, you can charge your car. So the supercharger is just about being able to charge a car really fast. Okay, so let's talk about the specs for the Model 3. Yeah, before we get there, let's finish off with supercharging. I haven't done this, but um, I'm sure it's out there and I'll try and find it for next week. In proportion to the number of cars they have, how many superchargers do they have compared to ice cars and nozzles for or gas? Because, a lot less. Um, yeah. If they have uh, you know a million cars on the road and tw- and eighteen thousand supercharger nozzles, is that about the right proportion when you think of a gas car? Um, it probably has to be significantly higher than for gas cars because it's slower than filling up a gas. But you can't car. fill up your gas car at home at night. Yeah, so that you've got to factor that in as well. That most people will not use the supercharger network, Mel, except for every now and then when they go on a little trippy trip. So the math there, it turns out. Math is difficult. Now we're getting to really brass tacks here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And this is part of where people were very critical of Elon. I was one of them. So you're about to release this Model 3. It's going to be the thing that changes the automotive industry. And you spend such a small amount of time on the actual car. All of this preamble has been great, but I really expected that there would be like an hour conversation. But he's just going to go through it very quickly, and then we'll have our discussion. There, there are two uh, main variants. There's the standard and the long range. Uh, the standard, well, is going to be $35,000 for a 220-mile range. It's going to be a, re- a fast car, so the acceleration will still be uh, well under six seconds, 130 mile an hour top speed. And then you can also get the long range one, uh, which will have a range of 310 miles. Um, and be about roughly five seconds, zero to 60, 140 mile an hour top speed. So this, it's going to be a really uh, great car. I think uh, you will not be able to find a better car, gasoline or electric, in, in that price range that is anywhere near as, as great. All right. Um, there's no editing there. That's it. <laughs> that 30-second piece was the great reveal, and people like me... We're like, what are you doing? 
This is not for you. This event, I'm telling you, was for employees. This is to jazz up the employees, get them back to the factory. I felt sorry for the ones that were still in the factory, right? They had this woman, I think her name was Gwen, talking from one of the scaffoldings. And you saw people still in the factory doing the car as they're doing this event. You don't think that was taped? Because I asked, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and I said the same thing. He's like, yeah, maybe they taped that. No, they're running three shifts a day. People come out there for an hour. I mean, it was a short thing. But this, to say that that this event was for the employees, um, okay, it was. But it was also for the world. Yeah, it was live streamed, Robert. I don't Uh, know if you noticed that. We had like 5,000 people watching us, and we're idiots. So um, Speak for us. (laughs) So (laughs) why, why, why such small amount of time leaving so many questions unanswered? I feel bad for CC. Because he was going to, because he was going to release all of the specs. So that's the website. We didn't know. I didn't know at the time. So as soon as this thing was done, Electric and others had a whole bunch of other specs. Right. Um, It was clear that they'd given the car to other people. And the next day, within 24 hours, there was a whole bunch of reviews of people who actually had the car. So this was not the only reveal. It was part of a reveal. The majority of the people, their employees have already seen all that, right? They've already gone through it. They've already made their reservations. They've already calculated their payments. So they already knew that stuff. In fact, the morning of the event, so the event was Friday night. And that morning, Franz von Holzhausen met the, I think it was the senior editor uh, from Motor Trend, up on Mulholland Drive here in California, Los Angeles, and they drew in for a drive and drove the car up Stunt Road, which is one of my son's favorite roads to cycle on. And they gave it a glowing, glowing. review. So when, this is one some point that I wanted to bring up earlier, when you talk about comparable vehicles, like you talk about the Camry or whatever, mm-hmm. right, that, that are in the same price, or the Volvo S60, I can guarantee you one thing, this car is priced in that category, but is a performance vehicle. Right. Yeah. And so we're going to get into that more it, um, in a second. It bleeds over into so many areas. It's like a, it, it is almost like a luxury car in many respects. Definitely the design. Maybe not the materials that you're sitting on, you know, but they're moving away from leather. How long until all the other car manufacturers are going to go in that way? But so before we get into the detail, let's just finish off with Elon because we're going to go deep into uh, the weeds here in a second about how good this car is. Let him, he's just going to finish off by saying how many cars, how quick they're going to come, and uh, some shout-outs, and then we'll get, uh, we'll get to go deep because those reviews, I think, really are very telling and have changed my mind about where I was on Friday. So let's head over some cars. <laughs> we, have the first 30, we have the first 30 production cars here being charged right now right there and so they're panning across the crowd here's all of those superchargers 40 is what robert has counted and uh, a whole bunch of model threes what's interesting here is that people kind of are walking out to their car but they don't want to pick their car up right now because there's more reveal event they think but lots of cars looks very cool elon's waving at the crowd but All again, of a sudden, they went back to a 1980s musical time machine as well. There's a guy playing like a like right, one of those so, guitar keyboards. <laughs> <Air guitar. laughs> hey guys, <laughs> those are actual owners uh, getting actual production cars. Hey. They also might be called suckers because there's going to be problems with those cars. Oh, right? don't! Oh, no, man. come on, buddy. No, I don't mean that for a second. I want so there's one. actually, let's see, to, there's actually a total of, of, of 50 production cars that we've made this month. 
and um, 20 of which will be used for engineering validation, 30 of which will be on the roads uh, with, with customers. And um, I, I want to uh, uh, just say to those that have lined up uh, for, to buy a, a Model 3 and, and that in some cases spent days uh, outside of our stores to, uh, to, to be first on the list, uh, I, want, I just want you to know we, we really, that really matters to us. Uh, we really care. Um, and we're going to do everything we possibly can to get you the car as soon as possible. Uh, so uh, we're going to work day and night to, to do right by the, by the loyalty that you've shown us. Thank you for doing that. So we'll end it there in terms of uh, Elon's comments. So he, again, shouts out to the Model S owners, the Model X owners. The only reason Model 3 exists is because of you. So to Tom and to Robert and to myself and to all of you out there, you can give yourself a little pat on the back. Um, buying a very expensive, very um, Very new car, used car. A very <laughs> used car. Um, uh, that, this is how they've financed to get to the Model 3, and I'm excited about the Model 3. So now let's uh, get into the weeds a little bit. And I, I want to specifically start asking you some questions about this configuration and how you're going to buy one. I watched these 50 people walk out. They all looked so young, like they're not even old enough to drive. Maybe that's just a sign that I'm getting old. Yes. But I wonder, how did they pick those 50? I bet there were how many thousands of employees from SpaceX and Tesla it was a big who hat. wanted. Was it, yeah, I want to hear <laughs> details like that. Did they do a lottery? There's like a giant. Uh, like ten-sided space dice, <laughs> and they just like rolled it. Do you think they rochambeaued or did the modified rochambeau? Yeah, that was what. That's what they did. So let's go and configure a car, and then we'll ask you guys: Are you going to get one? So Tom found um, an online configurer on it's electric. Not, it's just photos of the of the of the employees configurator. So uh, let me. To walk you through this, so it's photos of uh, a configurator that some employee has, and it's showing first of all uh, the car, which looks beautiful, the wheels and the color. So you got a black, you got a red, you got a gray, blue, white, and silver. Silver, okay. You got 19-inch wheels, which are the sport wheels, which cost an extra 1,500 bucks. And if you want anything but black, you have to pay an extra thousand dollars. So I have a question about that, or yes. it's a question that I know you guys can't necessarily answer, but are the 19-inch wheels the equivalent of the 21-inch wheel on the S and you don't want them? I assume so. There's <laughs> yeah. a sport there for grabbing the ground a little bit better, and they will wear out really fast. So yeah. don't get those unless you plan on racing your model. Because if three. you read the specs, they both come with like all-season, all-terrain tires. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 18 aero or 19-inch sport wheels with all-season tires. I don't love the look of the 18-inch aero wheel. I would much rather have the look of the 19-inch sport wheel, but I'm concerned about the tire situation as it as it goes. So once the specs come out on that, I would love to hear what 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 people are going to say about that. Yes. So I put in I put a close up of the sport wheel that's on Franz's red Model Three, the one that he took to the uh, the whatever it was Motor Trend uh, reveal in the morning on Friday, and they are Continental Pro Contact uh, 19 inch wheels and tires and these look like the sporting kind the kind that wear down so i think that would be if you are willing to spend a little extra money go for it so tom what color white robert yeah i've, I've had white all the way along the line and i love it so uh let me stop for a second as we go further on this configurator tom are you 
buying this car? Are you turning that thousand dollars into a forty to sixty thousand uh, dollar thing? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not super happy about certain aspects of like so if you look if you look really closely at this configurator that we put up not only do you have if you want your car by december not only do you have to have the upgraded battery you have to buy the five thousand dollar package package uh the premier package or whatever they're calling and you only it. get rear wheel drive and you still only yeah only get rear wheel drive. Now you don't have to turn on the autopilot. If you want a paint color other than black, that's a thousand dollars. If you do want the non aero wheels, that's fifteen hundred dollars. So you're looking at thirty five thousand dollar base price. Yes, nine thousand dollars for the long range battery, and you know why wouldn't you? So that's forty four. The premium upgrades make it forty nine. White paint make it 50. I don't think I'm going to get the wheels, although that's going to bum me out. So I'm still at 50. Probably turn on the enhanced autopilot. So that's 55. Add 8.75% uh, sales tax in the... $1,500. Oh, $1,000 delivery. $1,000 delivery. They cut delivery by by 33%. Right, $1,000 delivery, which is sort of like a wash based on my $1,000 down payment. And right? by so the you way, think you have about to... It. You have to sorry. You have to pay that even if you pick it up at the factory, right? Because somebody I, has to charge it and wash it. I guess I don't know what the. Yeah, so what right. are you up to now? They got to prep it. I don't know. Robert ruined my line of my line of like sixty like fifty one. No okay. fifty. No. Well, yeah. With the tax, right around sixty thousand yeah. dollars. So yeah, not Ow. okay. So yes, you can buy. You can buy a cheaper Model S right now for sixty thousand dollars. It's gonna have a, it's gonna have miles on it. This yeah. is gonna have no miles on it. It's gonna have less range. This is three hundred and ten miles of range. That's pretty good. And you're still, I'm looking at a thousand dollar car payment, but I'm looking at a thousand dollar car payment. Wow, that's a lot of money. I don't even <laughs> understand why, how I'm even yeah. saying that. You know, like it's not a fifteen hundred dollar car payment, which is what it would probably be. Uh, with a Model S, and it has again, it has that self-driving, you know, that that long-term. I'm hoping it's the 10-year vehicle. I really am hoping that that's the case with it. Well, so I think right now, if people are not let's let's say people who are not the diehards who stood out in line, people who are maybe not reservation holders who are still looking at this car. Plenty of people I work with are really thinking about this car, and they're like, should I buy it? Shouldn't I buy it? If you're going to buy this car and it's that big of a stretch, that's too much for many, many, many people. Oh, it's way too much. How will this change when that car can go full autonomous, you can put it on a network, and it can bring you $500 a month just on weekends? But that's way down the line. And again, I don't think it's going to give you that much a month. I don't know how far down the line. I don't think it's going to give you that much because as— as more and more as more and more things are on the network, then the cost per mile is going to be a lot cheaper, anyways. Now, here's what I'll tell you, and and I didn't, I don't want to talk about it in these, in this, in this way, Let but because of the federal tax credits, right? The the reason to not wait for you know six months and only get the base model with the 220 miles because I think that's probably enough range although I like the idea of the 300 the 220 is more than RS currently has and it's really way more than enough but there is a fear that if you wait you won't get the federal tax credit and you won't get the California right. tax credit so 
in that sense, I'm getting an incentive to get the higher mileage, the higher range version. So let me just uh, clarify that for a second for people that don't know. Here in uh, the United States, there's a $7,500 federal tax credit. We've been through this ad nauseum. Uh, people are sick of it. What Tom was saying is that if you buy the base car, the cheap car, the 35,000, no bells and whistles, you're not going to get that. Potentially. Now, that's not until guaranteed. fall of 17. And by right, then, right. we are concerned that maybe the, those federal tax credit dollars will mostly be gone. Right. They, have, will, they will have sold their – well, it's not that the money's going to be gone, but they will have sold their allotment of 200,000 cars. Like you take – you roll the dice with that one, waiting for the all-wheel drive, for instance, right? Because they've given you dates for all of that now on the Tesla website. If you have a reservation, you can go in there and manage and it'll ask you, like, do you want the fully uh, optioned one and when you'll potentially get it? Do you want the base one and when you'll potentially get it? And even a date at the end or beginning, middle of 2018, I think it is, for the all-wheel drive version, which I'm assuming will reduce your amount of storage, like that space where you can put the one carry-on, that's probably about the size of that front motor, so that's gone. So, Tom, when you do, I think I know the answer to this, but if you go and configure on your configure on my Tesla and you get the $60,000 version that's got the, the autopilot and it's got the long range, when do they say you're going to get that? October? Uh, by the end of the year. October, October to, December? to December is the date that is is on my thing. But I think that... I think it's sort of still a little bit up in the air because I don't think they under, they know how many employees are going to order. Right, this we got an email from Robert uh, or uh, from SpaceX, and he they haven't even opened the configurer for the SpaceX employees yet. And I believe there it's Tesla, then SpaceX, then us. So maybe in the, the pantheon. Solar, so of, that means the Solar City employees got to bump up because they got absorbed into right, Tesla. Right? Yeah, they probably got to bump up. I'll have to check. So Robert, uh, let me ask you: Are you getting this car? I'm in love with my S. So you're not getting this car? I don't need to. It's more of a car for my family members. I haven't been able to pull them because I've been working for the past seven days straight. Uh, And I think, you know, I can't speak for them, but let me just give my impression. I think they're getting more excited. I think they're getting more interested. And hearing that there's more superchargers, I don't know how many superchargers there are in uh, in the region where Massachusetts, Vermont, and New York kind of are all joined together. But that would be an important factor for my son. So uh, let's say your son says, Dad, yep, you know what? I've been a good child. Uh, you've worked a lot of night shifts and weekends. Um, I do want a Model 3. Which one would you get? How jacked up would you make this Model 3? Well, my experience with all-wheel drive versus two-wheel drive, I'd want to give him all-wheel drive. Because he's in the winter and the snows? Yeah. I mean, anytime you're going to drive through that, I, you know, that is a major safety feature. And performance, no. Ex- beautiful wheels, no. Uh, he can have it in black. If he wants to pay $1,000 extra, he can have whatever color he wants. Uh, what else? You know, all the interior doodads, I don't know. It's five grand for that package. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. The heated seats are quite nice, but, you know, he's not going to have heated seats if he buys some old beater. Well, here's one interesting thing that is on, if you look at the uh, the actual spec package on electric, that is, is a little bit, one of the things that was a little bit confusing to me. In the premium upgrades package, listed as a bullet point is tinted glass roof with ultraviolet and infrared protection so that's part of that 
package. Now, what is that roof without that package, right? The other thing that you, and, and I don't know, maybe it exists in both, but I'm like, it's, it's clearly a bullet point in this $5,000 package. Right. The other thing is um, the 12-way power adjustable seats, which is the only way you get driver profiles. Right, right. Which I think is like a kind of a big deal with this car because there's so many things to adjust on it, you know, mm-hmm. like. I don't know. So Just I'm still, school. you said earlier that uh, you, this Which only you. comes with a glass roof. Um, but I will, I'm not sure that's true. I'm but what sure I don't, want, but that's what I don't, but that's what I don't understand. Right. Is I think is, it comes is, is with it, a it, standard roofy roof or a glass, like roofy a body roof. colored roof. Yeah, maybe. How, we have I, never seen not know one that? inkling of information that would lead us down that path. So what I don't know is whether or not, there, it comes with a tinted glass roof without the premium package that doesn't have ultraviolet and infrared protection. Like, wh- can that, somebody do a quick look up uh, while we're very doing the unclear. show? To what is the standard roof? Is it steel? Is it uh, not? So let me just comment. One, they have changed the mounts for a roof rack. I think this is telling. So you can mount a roof rack, bolt it to the roof of the Model Three, no matter what kind of roof it is, because. It's the roof rack is on the edges, and you could have a panor- You could have a sunroof. You could have a solid body panel roof. They have not let this information out, and I am too uncomfortable to make a prediction at this point. I think they were trying to go for all glass for all cars because it just makes Tesla that much more cool. And I suspect they're going to stick with the all glass especially if they're trying to minimize the variations. They already have a lot of variation in the car right now with this, uh, with these first releases. Uh, I think that they're probably going to stick with an all-glass roof, but I don't know. So are sure. we just ignorant and Talking Tesla Nation will tell us, but it's not clear whether it's going to be all-glass, special glass or special glass uh, versus a sort of body paint steel thing. Let's just go over the convenience features no that are standard. No steel. So I talked to, um, I was uh, communicating back and forth with uh, Model 3 Owners Club, uh, Trevor. He actually brought a magnet with him to the reveal. And when they did test uh, drives, yeah, he that. walked around the car and he tested all the body panels. They were aluminum. They were not steel because the magnet did not work. Um, okay, here are the convenience features that are standard. So you have onboard navigation. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, you've got Wi-Fi and LTE. Okay, that's fine. Keyless entry via the Tesla app. There is no uh, key or fob, but it does. It is going to have the card key that we talked about last week. Right. There, I got some details on that one too, but let's keep going. Uh, voice controls, a backup camera, uh, the rear seats fold. Um, there's a Rear view mirror that auto dims in low light. You've got your dual zone climate control and you've got your front cold and sold with two USB ports. So that's pretty standard. So that's all pretty good stuff. That's sort of standard that you'd expect. And then the premium packages, the heated seats. Now you're going to drop in two rear USB ports, which is kind of a big deal for the family. Um, you're going to have power adjustable front seats, as Tom talked about. And that's uh, really important if you've got your profile, the wife's profile, the kid's profile, Uncle John's profile. You just hit that and the car sort of adjusts. It's not a deal breaker. It's just a fun thing. You're going to have a better audio system. You're going to have the tinted glass roof, which suggests, therefore, that you are not getting a tinted glass roof if you don't buy the $5,000 package. But what exactly is the roof? One assumes that it is the aluminum slash steel. I can't imagine they would just put glass without tinting. That would be silly. Um, Power folding uh, side mirrors, okay. 
uh, docking ports up front for two smartphones, and LED fog lamps. So really that $5,000 is for a couple of extra USB ports, but the big thing is the tinted glass roof, assuming it's a steel non-tinted roof And thing. it's the only way to get it by December. And it's the only Which way Which is another thing that, like, I, I want to know, I at least want to know before that whether or not the metal roof is an option. Because I think I would probably lean in that direction for myself and... There are other things about this premium upgrade package that I would like. I don't necessarily want to wait, but I've waited this long that I probably would continue to wait. So that that it's frustrating that we don't know that at this point. So I talked to Andy at the wrap place. So I had the front end of my car wrapped with clear plastic to protect it. It's really durable stuff. It's got a good reputation. And I was talking to one of the guys there, Andy. He's one of the owners. And he said he could wrap the roof of an all glass car with like a white or whatever color you want to match, red, blue, black, he can put a wrap over the top. And again, it's only going to be maybe 300 bucks. And can he take it off? So you yeah. say, well, yeah. this is too hot. I wrap it. But then when I sell it, the person goes, oh, I wanted the glass. Well, oh, here you it is. Take it peel off yourself. It off. You yeah, just yeah. Peel it, it peels off. off. Yeah. So okay. that's, a, that's actually that's an interesting thought process. That's a good yeah. Because you could do like a cool matte black or Mel could pay for a talking Tesla logo on the top <laughs> of my car. So you could try it out, see if you like <laughs> it. If you don't like it, you can. And it's that little 300 bucks. Well, it's just that one piece. Well, my I mean, friend, gonna... I think it's probably more than that. I don't know what, you know, I can't speak for your guy, but like my yeah. buddy had his, had just the hood of his forerunner, a part of his hood uh, wrapped right. or just like with a nice matte black thing, which makes yeah. it look kind of cool. And I think it was more like much more than I that. I mean, it cost me like, I think it was $1,600 to wrap the whole front end of my car. Right. But that's like headlights. There's two of them. Bumper. That's a big wrap. Uh, hood. That's a big wrap. Two fenders. The mirrors. So that's a lot of stuff. It took them a, like pretty much a day to do that. So one piece, flat roof, no contours, no big cutting and trimming and stuff. No sunroof. Right. Well, you'd have to make openings for the rack, a, though, right? I don't have a rack. If there, if you were going to have a rack on the Model yeah. 3, I'm saying. Maybe right? maybe there's a couple of cuts. Here's a fun fact. Uh, glove box. There, uh, is, there one? is one? There's a glove box. And in fact, if you Whoa, look at the screen, if you look at the screen... Uh, there at the very bottom right of the screen is a, oh, it's not on this one. There was a symbol. Maybe they've changed it, but on the Tesslarati, there was a symbol. There's a button on the, on the 15 inch screen, bottom right, you push it, boom, glove box opens. There is a glove box, ladies and gentlemen, boys and There's girls. a lot That's of cool huge. things. Should we talk about some of the other interior things that are cool? Well, if you're going to do that, do it on this computer so that we can show it. Um, Okay, uh, but let uh, let me go on a few uh, more okay. things, and then we'll get into a little bit more detail. So, uh, Mel, are you going to get this car? So, Friday <laughs> after the reveal, <laughs> the answer was no effing way. Uh, this is way too a resounding expensive car. no effing way. Um, because I really don't need it. Um, my reasoning, and probably there are some people in this situation, is I really want to have an all electric fleet at my house. That means three people, three cars. We have two electric cars. And one ice car. That ice car is a fine ice car. It's only nine years old. It's still doing great. It's a hybrid, but it has got 17 miles per gallon um, in terms of its uh, efficiency. It used to be 30, but because ice cars degenerate, and apparently first-generation hybrid ice cars degenerate really fast, it gets 17 miles per gallon. I hate the fact that my son is driving around a car that is going to destroy his future. So I would love to get him a safe car, that's fully electric, 
that can you know be used for years to come. But the car I would w- want to get is the tire car Tom wants to get. It's a sixty thousand dollar car. Sixty thousand dollars for a high school kid car is insane, in my book. So I was not getting it. And then I looked at all the specs and how wonderful it is. And then I started to see some stuff about how uh, bad uh, the climate is. And I'm like, no, I'm getting this car. It's ridiculous. Of course I'm buying this car. And now today, during this uh, configuration, $60,000, I'm like, that is insane. Right, but but uh, would you – so then are you going to wait? Because, hmm. okay, if you get the incentives, or yes. maybe you're not even – do you qualify for the incentives? Yeah, federal, you there is no – you just get right. it. But so, State, so you, you get the so, – so, so here's the, the real thing that you're now talking about, honestly, is, is do you want the car sooner rather than later? And do you want that extended range? Now, on this show, you have mentioned – I don't know, hundreds of times Maybe how you would have paid X amount for more range. I want more range. I want more range. I want more range. So 9,000 bucks, more range, yes. right? And that and some federal tax incentive that's paying for most of that range increase. Yes. Now you are forced to buy that premium package. Yes. So really? No? Still no? Um, it's closer. 50,000 oh. is 7,500 off. That is good. But that's still a really expensive car. Yeah. What I was really disappointed with on Friday, and you heard it if you watched the show, is I was hoping that I was getting all of that stuff for 35000 In which case, I'm like, that's an expensive car. I'm buying it. You were hoping you were going to get. Really you were hoping you were going to get all the autonomy included for thirty five thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, I was hoping really? to get it. I hadn't really thought about it enough, had I? Um, <laughs> How much? I hoped the base range would be like two hundred and fifty, and uh, yeah, I would get the autopilot stuff, and I'd yeah maybe forty thousand. I was thinking I could walk away, but sixty grand. Let me think. You uh, buy health insurance for your family? Uh, yes, I do. You buy uh, car insurance for your family? Uh, yes, I do. Because you care about your family. But you want to drive. You want your son to drive some beater piece of crap. That when he gets smashed in the side by some drunken a hole, is going to end up with a hip fracture oh, and he's not going to be able to run again. Stop. I work in the emergency room. This I get is that. Important. safety is key. But I'm, what, what Tom is going to say is you've got buy the money, a Volvo for half the price. Oh, I see what you're saying. But it's not an electric. Well, I mean, car. the other thing is okay. But here's your option, right? If you want to buy your son the, a Tesla. Right? This I don't want to te- buy him a Tesla. I want to buy him a long-range, safe electric car. That's a Tesla right okay, now. So, okay. So then the question is, okay, so your options really for that particular situation are the Bolt. We both know you're not buying him that one. Nope. Right? So you can wait, and by December of 2017, between December and February, December 2017 to February 2018, the standard battery one with rear-wheel drive will be available for you to purchase for him for $35,000 without having to buy the upgrade, without having to buy the premium package. When your configure opens, will you, because you can order that car. Like you'll be able to, once you get your invitation, you'll be able to order that car and they will give you a date and that date will still be before your son goes away to college. It will be the $35,000 car, right? But it won't have the 310 miles of range. So what you're going to end up doing is you're going to purchase this car. You're going to buy the $9,000 in extended range. You're going to buy the $4,000 in enhanced autopilot. And you're going to have a $49,000 car in December. 
So here's the other thing that I'm going to do. <laughs> here's today's, and we'll, we'll follow this week to week. That is a stupid amount of car for a kid's car. It's just ridiculous. Um, and there are probably a whole bunch of people now going to beat me up for that. Yeah. Uh, because my, my son goes to a public school, and at that public school, there are kids who have no money, have no cars. That's just not happening in their house. And there are kids that drive $100,000 cars. And they're all in the same class together. Yep. So there was a, quite a spectrum of what people consider okay to buy their families. Can I just talk about my experience? One I was- second. So here's another thing. I'm like, why am I really doing this? He needs transportation, which he has. I want to save the planet. My logic right now is for $60,000, that is an enormous solar array that I could buy. So what I really should do is say, suck it up. We're going to use the, you're going to use the ICE car. It's pretty safe. It's not as safe as the Model 3, um, which is a bit concerning to me. But what I should do is buy $60,000 more of solar panels or carbon offsets. Okay, so let's say okay, in well, the next reasonable. two months, the Highlander needs a new engine and that makes it, it's over. The Highlander's over. Oh, God, I hope that happens so bad. Right. And then, and then, so, <laughs> then, and then, and then so then what would you, would you consider buying him the used S60, S80 Volvo because it's safe and $12,000 or $15,000? Yes. I think I would. I think, although. It, you would buy him, you would buy him an ice car. <laughs> If you had to buy him an ice I car. think actually the car for somebody like him is a Volt. You get a secondhand Volt. It's pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. It's most of his driving he gets to do electric. And then if he has to drive back from college, then he's got a gas backup. You could get him. You could lease him a brand new Volt. You will, he will use almost no gasoline. Like 90% of the time right. he will be using no gasoline, but he'll be able to take his long trips to the ski areas or wherever he goes on his spring break uh, situation. And you could have that car for a couple hundred bucks a month. And you could buy carbon offsets at the end of the year. Right. Um, And so it comes down to two things. Safety. I want a safe car, so I have to do more homework on what is really a safe car. And then the second thing is, the only reason this is even a discussion in my brain, the only reason is because I want to support Tesla. But do you support Tesla for $60,000? I think I've supported them enough. That's today. It could change tomorrow. But, yeah, the better car is a Volt um, in this situation where I don't really need a car right now or carbon offsets or buying solar panels. But I just thought I'd throw it out there because I've been talking to a number of people who who are financially capable of buying a car that's expensive for their kid but also like me, like, but this is not what you do. But I personally think it depends on the kid, right? Like you, we know your kid; he's got a good head on his shoulders. Like that's not going. Like he's not going to be wa- driving it around, being like, "I got a sixty thousand dollar car. I got a forty. Like it's not going to have that impact on him, right? And then what about this? What if the Volt has four star crash ratings? Don't do that to and me. And the Tesla right. has the five star crash rating, right? Like I can. If you, what if you saw that side impact accident? video of the volt and there was and it was worse than the volvo right you know oh that would kill it for me that'd be like as an er doc would be like no i will bankrupt this family to get you the (laughs) safest car in the world i don't care yeah i mean like part of it is his driving that is a large part of it but it's nice to know that you have a car that's really safe i think you know even four star isn't bad right it's actually pretty good it's the other crappy cars that you don't want to be driving around in. I was driving up in the Pacific Palisades, picking my son up from a friend's house, and I saw this girl 
kind of whipping around. This was like two years ago in a brand new Model S. And I was like, what? She looks like she's 16 years old. But of course, this is an area where houses are $3 million a piece. And, you know, maybe a seventy-five dollars or $80,000 car at the time was no big deal. And I thought, that's ridiculous. That's awful. But my paradigm has shifted. And I would say if you can afford a safe car, you should get it. So it's an interesting philosophical question, but let's go on and talk more details about the car itself. So uh, tell us some uh, other things that you have found. So here. I got a piece here from Teslarati, Tesla Model 3, hidden details. Oh, let me pull uh, this up so we can see it. Here we go. So there's they, they talk about the charger port, which has an enormous plate that the Tesla plug fits into. But I'm telling you, there's room there to put all kinds of charging, maybe CCS, maybe, I don't know. The, of course, the German Minky charger will definitely fit in there. So that's kind of interesting. So you don't have the glowy, glowy ring around where you plug this thing in. You have to the left uh, a little Tesla emblem that is green or one presumes red and blue, whatever right. colors that it does right Light now. Light blue, dark blue, orange. Uh, they next show uh, coat hooks. Oh, my God. Thank you. For that alone, I might buy the Model 3. I wear a coat once a year, but I really enjoy when there's a coat hook. So coat hooks. Oh, I'm changing my mind. I'm buying this car. Coat hooks, very nice. They also show the the lights. The lights are on the crossbar that sit behind, just behind the driver's seat is a crossbar, not quite between the B pillars, but it's definitely over the heads of the drivers. And there is a nice dual, uh, you know, dome lamp that illuminates the back seats there goes on and off just like in the model s they show the door the door another thing i've been missing forever pockets in the door i would put things in those pockets Pockets in the door i don't like those because i put things in there that start to smell and old chewing gum (laughs) which one of these things opens the door from the inside if you look where the the so it's got the same style of door handle as the s it's a armrest that then turns into a grippy uh like device that hockey sticks up we're using the hockey stick scenario so much and at the top there's a little button that you push and the door pops open that's what there are there's evidently another switch located on the lower part of the handle i'm not exactly sure if that's for the window or not one presumes that it is the uppy danny for the window one does presume they show dome lights and sun visors the sun visors are a little more generous than in the model s in other words they're deeper uh and so uh maybe they're a little bit more effective i think that's a good idea they also show the dome lights for the front seat then there's opening up the glove box. They show with a red circle around the button on the 15-inch screen bottom right corner that opens the glove box. Unfortunately, we don't have a picture of the glove box. That is the one thing I've not yet been able to find online. I'm sure and it's lovely. It does have that integrated center console, though, which is nice. Yeah, and actually, uh, I think Trevor was saying that one of the, when he got in the car, he's a pretty bold dude. He grabbed the 15-inch touchscreen and started reefing on it to see if he could... <laughs> How loose was it? He said it was rock solid. Actually, you know, this picture brings up one question. So it's about the glove box thing. But then I saw the charging and I forgot to really emphasize that on the lower end car, you said it, Tom, but let's just go over it again. It doesn't charge as fast as the higher end car. And why is that? They must have the uh, internal chargey chargey system is different in the lower end car. It only does 130 miles per 30 minutes of charge versus 170 it's not the batteries because we know the batteries are the same 
So for some reason, they've decided to save a little cash at that low end by putting in some uh, DC uh, thing that's slower. I mean, do you feel like maybe like that's an average and because it's a bigger battery, it's more empty so like it can fill faster? They they don't do that on the S and the X. So it's weird. And actually, I think there hasn't been enough said about that. Why would you do that if you're doing a simple car? Just put the same charger in all the cars. I mean, it does have zero. It does have a different zero to sixty speed, right? It does have a different top speed, and I think that is just like overall energy availability. So there just may be some sort of math algorithm that allows them once the battery is x x amount of size that they can charge it faster. Now, one thing that has been sort of bandied about, and I saw it in one video, was that Tesla's not saying they're not using the kwh nomenclature anymore like they're not saying it's a 55 kilowatt hour battery right they're saying it's a range battery big deal right and and so we don't actually even know like how big is the battery that they managed to get 220 miles of range we don't know that it's gonna take some time somebody's gonna have to crawl under the car and look at the battery label typically that's behind the right front wheel so if you turn your right front wheel to the right you can glance behind it and you'll see an emblem on the battery and it'll tell you the there are important details it tells you like how big the battery is and what grade it is in other words they've had classes of batteries or versions of batteries and only the newer ones can actually take like the 135 kilowatt uh charging rate we will we have to wait for these details to become but wouldn't you also be able to tell by like let's say your car has 10 miles of range and you can see the charging speed and you're sort of keeping track of that would you not be able to sort of do a calculation like it took this long at this speed and this long at this speed and this long at this speed so that's how many kilowatt hours to i mean it would be more difficult that way see, but the important thing is what you said is that now this is a mass market car geeks want to know exactly how many kilowatt hours this battery is and all that stuff but the mass market doesn't care like how far does this go on a chart well they said it's so too confusing it's too confusing yeah. and i agree it is too confusing yep. i've got so many people have talked to me like oh is it this is it that they just don't it took me a while to get kind of hip to what really was important about the kilowatt hours and such and i think this is great just go simple long distance short distance and they also one other thing in that same video and i wish i could remember which one it was she said that they're not even putting the percentage anymore of the battery it's just miles Miles. like it's just range left interesting um again that change to the mass market car so the other thing i wanted to do uh i'm just sort of forgetting the sense that we've been drawling on here for hours and hours is uh nothing else in the world mel matters it's true model three reviews so Uh, After the reveal event, within 24 hours, there was a whole bunch of reviews from people who'd had little drives of the car or fairly extensive drives of the car. And I just want to get you a sense of what uh, people are saying in these early reviews. And the first one is from Wired. And uh, this review from Wired basically says, this is a pretty damn good car. Um, I like it. And then there's another one from Mashable, which is much more extensive, which we won't go into, but basically saying there's a lot to like about this car. We'll see... Um, what the build quality is later, but uh, the quote down the bottom here is, honestly, my drive felt all too short, and there's no way to fully review an electric car without having extended drives. But my first impression is positive. The Model 3 is well-designed for a mid-sized sedan, and they've managed to uh, simplify that Tesla ethos with luxury in mind without making it feel any less part of the Tesla family. And this is what you were saying before. 
this might be a car that's sort of Camry is in terms of the lower end. But it feels to people who are driving it like this is a sports car. This although, is a great car. Although as we're talking now, there's little chance that you're going to get uh, one of these cars for thirty-five grand in any near future. And for the next year, or at least the next six to nine months, these are expensive cars. These are like you know luxury expensive cars. Mashable also has a, a Casara Bell, I believe her name is. Just love the car. Said it's stunning, and uh, this is an amazing car. And there's a whole bunch of other, and I haven't seen actually yet anybody have a poor review of the car. Yeah. Once they're getting, you know, some people are saying it's going to take a while to get used to these internals and the slickness of it. But after they've driven the car, every review I've seen, and that's about five or six now of people who've driven it, saying this is not a Camry. This is not a car like you've ever driven. This is a Tesla. This is fast. It is fun to drive. You, comparing it against similar cars in that so lower-end category it just doesn't compare. It's so much better. A Model S with this range is a $100,000 car. So yeah. he managed to build a Tesla yeah. with 300 miles of range for, you know, again, it's still, I mean, Half technically $44,000, right? Like, that's a, that's. A, Let's not lose sight of how impressive that actually is. True that. Because of the fact that he's he's trying to maximize his profitability for the first few thousand, right? He knows who wants those first cars. He knows that they're going to pay the premium, right? And then $35,000 car with 200 miles of range. You know it's better than the Bolt, right? Like, you just know it's better than the Bolt. So until there's a, a comparable Mercedes that's electric or that is actually the same price, we time will tell. The next five years will, will tell whether or not what he's done here is actually amazing and incredible because he was able to do this for the cost that he did. So yeah. that brings up a couple of questions. First of all, uh, Diego Corvero, who's got a uh, letter here that we may or may not get to, probably won't get to, said he was really upset by people ripping on the car about the price. And uh, I think he was directing it at me, which is reasonable. And he said, get some perspective here. As Tom just said, basically they've given you what was a high-end S from a few years ago for half the price. They've halved the price of this yeah. car in a short time. It's going to be great when they have it again. But for now, shut the hell up. They're giving you a luxury sports car that has a huge amount of range. It has the Tesla supercharger network for half the price that you could get this car for last year. And they may not be able to half the price. Again, they're spending $5 billion to build not a car factory, a battery factory. Just a battery factory, mostly in service of this vehicle. I have a question. Are they going to make any money on this car? We don't know yet if this is going to be profitable. They say they want to keep that 20 to 25% profit margin. Do you think that the first 100,000 are going to be at a loss? The first half million, the first million? I mean, you don't mean like per unit, what it costs to build the car? No, I don't think they're, I do not think Tesla is doing what all the other car companies are doing because, again, it's not a compliance vehicle for them. What is the stock price today? And then uh, should we go through some letters very quickly and call this done? What is the stock price? I'm looking right now. Let me interject that Panasonic came out in the New York Times saying that they are not making money on the Tesla batteries right now. Interesting. This is just released uh, today. Uh, they say profits from Tesla's Model 3 batteries by year end. 
Right, but when they're saying profits again, they're not they're not extrapolating it of like the actual raw materials cost, right? They're 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 figuring in the cost of money and all of the money they've outlaid and all of that other stuff. We're talking about like once all of that stuff has been sort of paid off, is the materials that are going into the battery profitable? Is the materials going into the car profitable after they've made their money back? Currently, the Tesla stock is at three twenty six ninety nine down. $8.08 a share. So again, that is buy on the rumor, sell on the news. There's a lot of people that are sort of in you were had your initial reaction is my guess. They're like, well, can he still do it? Is the car, it's still too expensive. I think in to some extent, you know, and you were guilty of this, right? And we were all kind of guilty of it to a certain extent. We were like, well, the Bolt has 238 miles of range. He's definitely going to come out with a car at that price point uh, with more range, and he didn't. No. He just did not. I he didn't so care because surprised. he still knows he's building. I mean, he's he's driven a Bolt. He knows the Model 3 is not a Bolt. Like, I've driven a Bolt. I've driven an S. Uh, they're not close to each <laughs> other. If the 3, everything we've heard is the 3 is close to the S. I mean, I, I, we haven't seen anybody like side by side comparison, but I've been in both cars. They're I'm not, sorry, but it, it's not the same. Um, I guess I was also sucked in by the fact that the low end bolt was like thirty five thousand dollars, and then if you put every bell and whistle and toy into that thing, like Grandpa did, it's like forty three thousand dollars. Forty three thousand dollars for that car. Yeah, and really, all you get for that extra money, leather seats and a little better stereo. Exactly, but still a lot of plastic. Yeah, and, and it's not that adorable. I mean, I like it exteriorly, interiorly. I don't really like it that much. It has almost no cargo space. Um, it The Bolt is not a, a Model 3 as far as I can tell. I want to <laughs> highlight one story from Wired.com. Okay. The Tesla Model 3 launches the electric vehicle market. They make the argument, and this was done like earlier last week, that it doesn't matter in the global scheme of things whether or not the Model 3 is a failure or not. Tesla has already propelled the world to electric vehicle adoption. And Tesla has done its goal. Now, if they can make a Model 3 that everybody loves, that runs well, that does all the things that Elon has projected, wow, what a triple header that is. Although if it fails, man, there are going to be some companies tapping the brakes, and we all know it, you know? like They can't fail. I agree with you. If they fail... After all of this hype and all of this goodness, then, uh, yeah, a lot of people are going to say, screw it. We're just going to make ice cars until the world ends. And I don't think, like, if they have production problems, that's a failure, right? Like, that to me, the, that's not the metric, right? The metric is, is this an amazing car that a lot of people can afford, that has a charging network, right, that has an infrastructure behind it to support it? And, yes, I understand. It's not a $12,000 car. It's not a... $15,000 car. It's not a $99 a month lease vehicle, but it's a five-star safety rating car that's got an aluminum and steel body. It's got all of these features. It's all controlled by one screen or your voice, right? It's it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculously amazing vehicle, and it's at the national average for vehicles sold in the United States. So uh, we're going to do supercharges in one second. But first, Tom, you did a Twitter poll, had like 500 people answer. What was the question? What were the answers? Because it's relevant to this yeah. discussion. So I think after, after, at the, during the event, 
uh, you were pretty distraught. I was upset. You were very, very disappointed. And <laughs> I, I wanted was, a $5,000. And I was really yeah. curious as to are other people disappointed with the same, with the, in the same way that you are? So the question was, are you disappointed with the Model 3 specs and prices revealed tonight? And we got 533 votes, and 19% said yes, they were disappointed. 55% said no, they were not disappointed. And 26%, and this to me was is maybe kind of where I stand and really only about price, not specs. It's yes, but I'll still buy it. <laughs> right? Like, so I'm a little bit disappointed with some aspect of the pricing and specs. Some of it could just be like, I don't know, does it have a metal roof? <laughs> like, I'm disappointed, <laughs> but I don't know that knowledge, right? And so 26% like that. So thank you to everyone who's voted. That I believe is... Uh, an order of magnitude more votes than we've ever gotten on a Twitter poll. So that's pretty cool. So maybe as many as 25% of people are going to say, I don't want this car now. So if they have 500,000 uh, pre-orders, now they're only going to have 400,000. That's still pretty good. There is news that Tesla is rather slow on refunding people's $1,000 deposit right now. So if you're thinking of pulling out, you're not going to see that money in the short term. So that might kind of pr prompt you to give it a second thought so you have two reservations correct correct so are you going to just hold on to those reservations and see a year from now down the line like what specs come out what prices come out just and just keep your reservation even though eh, you probably don't need to yeah what's the downside of holding on to your reservation the interest right now that you're going to earn in the bank isn't anything I don't think anybody's going to make that decision. You can decision. take that two grand and take your family on vacation. So oh, I I've got if a I question. Is Josh it. in the studio? Is Josh there? Uh, because he was uh, asking me, uh, Mel, once this comes out, maybe you could buy it and I'll buy it off you because I'm thinking I want one. It'd be interesting to get him up here and see if he's going to buy it for six. So you are for sure a no. For sure today. Uh, for, for sure, sure no. Are you going it. to give up your two reservations no. and get your two grand back? No. Why? No. Uh, because, like, Robert, I just think I can – it's nice to have him. It's not that big a deal. If I put it in the bank, I'm not going to make any interest in it. I like so, the idea that uh, Tesla might be able to use the money. And just in case I change my mind, it'll be there. Yeah. So does that mean, like, you think maybe by, the, by like, the all-wheel drive is going to come out and you're like, oh, I think I'll buy a $65,000 car. Like, I mean, what is that? Like, you're never going to buy – my guess is you're never going to purchase the Model 3. You're never going to purchase a Model 3 without the maximum range right. and probably without the all-wheel drive. Yes. So – All-wheel drive I don't really care about. No, I – Oh, here he is. I probably will just keep them because somebody else will buy them. So here's Josh. He's one of the producers on uh, a couple of our shows. So, Josh, you were thinking about uh, the Model 3. Yes. And you were saying, Mel, um, let's talk because maybe I'm going to buy that thing from you. Yes. Knowing what you know now that uh, about the Model 3, are you going to buy one? Um, knowing what I know now about the, the Model 3, does what I don't know if I know that much more about the Model 3. <laughs> okay, right so the, the car that you want... Is sixty thousand dollars long range, lots of features. Sixty thousand uh, dollars, three hundred and ten mile range. Do you want a Model Three? Well, how much? How much longer range is it than the than two hundred and twenty at the low end, three ten for the high end? There's nine thousand dollar difference between those two. Okay, sorry. Go back to, to what was the what's the, what are the other things that that have changed from the thirty thirty five thousand? From for thirty five thousand, you get two hundred twenty miles range. Yeah, you, we think you get a steel roof. You get no autonomous driving features, um, but you get a quick car with 220 miles range. The $60,000 car, you get 
much more range. You get autonomous driving features. You get a pretty glass roof and some other fun things inside the car. Uh, so, yeah, the, the autonomous driving features, like, I, I don't really care about that because, like, I don't really, I don't like the idea of letting a car just drive for You'll me. You'll get over it, but go on. So, so okay. <laughs> so, let me make it very simple for you. Do you want a $35,000 car that does 220 miles of uh, driving on a charge and uh, has no autonomous driving features? Yes or no? Yes. You do? So am I buying this for you? <laughs> and you're buying it off me? Yes. So keep in mind, wow. both Josh and I have purchased a car that was uh, closer to 50 with 115 miles of range. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That, exactly. Right? Like, uh, this, this is a reality, right? We both o- owned RAV4s. He still owns a RAV4. That Electric, car was either one of which has a glass roof. Right, neither <laughs> one of us has a glass roof or drives itself <laughs> or <laughs> has fast driving, has fast charging, right? Okay. So 114 miles of range, and that car was almost $50,000. <laughs> exactly. So what are you saying? You're idiots? No, they're ready. <laughs> we're going to buy the, the, the model. We have come in two years. Well, so, I mean, like yeah. when we when I bought mine, obviously Toyota was giving a fair amount of cash, so we didn't pay anywhere near fifty thousand dollars for the car because you know they they couldn't sell them, so they were kind of compli- <laughs> compliance vehicles, uh, and that they were just trying to sell Forerunners and other things like that. So, I mean, it, it turned out to be closer to like a thirty five thousand dollar car, but it's still a thirty five thousand dollar car with one hundred and fourteen miles of range and no fast charging. Right. Well, 114 mile range that I've never gotten up to that. Like it's always like the max range I've been able to get without supercharging has been like 99. It's that heavy, heavy foot of yours. No, it's not. That's not the heavy. You keep doing the the super whatever the the max charging is. Like the you know no. the actual you don't. How do you do that? I don't. I don't actually have the car anymore because it was destroyed. But I. <laughs> Drive like a normal human being. All right, Josh. Well, we'll talk more after this, but it sounds like I'm going to have to put in uh, an order for you. Uh, Robert, <laughs> let's talk about superchargers, and okay, then let's do, let's do letters really quickly. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Superchargers, moderate week. We have four new superchargers that open. Good news for you, Mel. Thank you. Three are in the United States. Excellent. One is in China. One in McAllen, Texas. And McAllen, Texas, I saw that. That caught my attention. Famous for a story written in The New Yorker. If you're interested in the economics of medicine and why our medicine system is so messed up, check it out. It's called The Cost Conundrum by Atul Gawande. There's uh, six entering construction, one in the UK, two in Italy, two in the US, one in Canada. And we have three superchargers that went into permit status this week one in Germany, and two more in the U.S. The U.S. is getting more. And again, the size of these chargers are larger than they have been in the past. SpaceX, just want to say, uh, the mo- most recent launch is going to be pushed back. It's not going to be till the 14th of August. We'll talk about it more later. So uh, we are not going to do our normal stuff where we talk about other things. We're, this is obviously Model 3, Model 3, Model 3. We do have letters. We are going to go through them pretty quickly, though. Rod Simmons asked the question about uh, autopilot and efficiency. Is it better to drive yourself or is autopilot more efficient? I find autopilot to be more efficient. I don't think – I use cruise control a lot. Before I had autopilot, so the car would be pretty much smooth as far as driving along with a lot of, without a lot of acceleration and braking. But I find that I'm getting uh, a lot more efficiency. And I'm not sure, like maybe uh, another 10%, 8%, somewhere in there. It's pretty impressive. 
Brendan Shields has a letter and a number of links which is uh, concerned about what the government is going to do in terms of autonomous driving. I actually read these and thought what the government is trying to do is accelerate autonomous driving, but um, this letter is suggesting that maybe that is not really what these bills are about. Well, his main dig on all of this legislation is that there, it's, a, it's proposing a yearly cap of 100,000 autonomous vehicles per year. Uh, for whatever reason. I, I don't know what the reasoning behind that is, but that's sort of his main issue with what's happening. I, I read it as allowing 100,000 vehicles right. with slightly less uh, safety restrictions so that they can get more out there. So. Right. I think that this is an expansion of autopilot's rollout as opposed to a restriction. I believe currently there was an article about Google and they were limited to like 3,000 cars a year that they could put on the road with autonomy for testing purposes. So I think autonomy is proving itself to be safer and the government is moving along to promote it. Jeff Nelson is saying um, he's one of those people that are very worried about getting that uh, tax deduction here in the United States and is asking if Tesla could slow down production. <laughs> and uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, Mike Kopstein. Is that right? Mike Kopstein. Sounds pretty right. Yeah. Uh, uh, we were suggesting last week that maybe the autopilot doesn't appear to be using the um, Sonos on the side of the car. And he gives us some evidence to suggest that that is true. Having ripped his off in a little accident, his autopilot is working fine. Oopsie. Yeah, I don't know. It might be just a safety feature. I've had the sensors go red as I'm driving on the highway and the car or vehicle to the right of me gets rather close. And I felt the car kind of move over towards the left in the lane. My car move left in the lane when the car to the or the vehicle to the right of me gets really close. A lot of big rigs do this. And so I think that maybe it is working as a backup. Uh, but I am sorry to hear that his bumper got ripped off. Uh, I was at the supercharger, a really nice woman there, pharmacist was talking to me and she had the sensors stolen out of her model s she had a first generation autopilot car they're stealing sensors yeah to put them up probably on their 2013s without first generation <laughs> autopilot joel sepp said you know uh, guys i started the uh, talking tesla black caucus as a joke but it apparently is in a movement now Hilarious. and uh, so uh, he is happy to take new members, and I'm just very concerned that Joel may have started a movement, which ends up him being the first president of Mars or something like that. <laughs> yeah, go Joel. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting some pictures from their first big meetup. Mark Bayer has a letter here, and it's he's the guy that sent us the Swiss drinks, who also had a medical issue, which we are happy to note now is fixed and Yay! cured. And uh, it's probably from all the Toblerones he ate that made him better. <laughs> and uh, we love those drinks. Uh, they were very fun. And they're made with he, milk syrup. <laughs> I'm, I've I drunk it, and now I'm oh, yeah, milk, milk syrup. syrup. I don't know what that is? Oh. He was asking the question about can I give up a reservation to somebody else? And my understanding is that no, you can't. Uh, you have to buy the car, get it registered, and then sell the car. And Tesla has specifically said to its employees, please do not do this and sell them for a profit. That's not going to make Elon happy. Nay. So that is a problem I would like to give up my reservation to, say, for Josh, for example. Like, I'm not going to use one of these, Josh, go for it. But um, that's not going to happen. I'm going to have to buy it, pay the taxes, do all the stuff, register it. And then when it's all done, probably I'm going to drive it a lot, Josh, and, you know, do some stuff in there. <laughs> you're going to get it. You're going to be it. like, oh, this thing is awesome. So it's a bit of a bummer. David Flores says, you know, uh, Toyota is coming out with these brand new electric cars that have solid state batteries. These solid state batteries are going to go way further than the current batteries and it's going to be great. And I say, David, that's very interesting. It doesn't exist. Uh, the solid state lithium ion batteries 
really do sound incredibly cool, but they don't exist in the world in terms of being able to shove one in a car. So hey. I hope it happens. Yeah, How like keep far off on. do you think they are? Everything is five years away, Tom. Everything? 2020. 2020. <laughs> Adam Wood, key cars. So he's, we talked about RFIDs, and he was just sort of telling us that actually RFID technology that's high end right now can do 15 meters away, right. but most of the implementations are much shorter than that often for security reasons, or also because you might have other metal and stuff around which can interfere. So theoretically 15 metres, but probably one metre is better. Although I think the key card is NFC, not RFID. NFC, good Uh, to about 30 feet. So there's two places. You swipe it on the B pillar between the driver and rear passenger door. And to start the car, you put it uh, at or near the cup holder. There's a sensor in there as well. This is for the new Model 3 key. So when you go into in and out and have to put a drink in your cup holder <laughs> where are you supposed to put your key? No, it's, I think the swipe is actually in front of the cup holder. Yeah. There's a little uh, swiper, swipey swipe. Corey swiper. Boiling says the Energy Gang podcast is very good. I actually just started listening to it, and I think he is right. It is a good podcast, so go check that puppy out. Francesca Brenner? Is that even close to being Seska. right? yeah, Francesca. Uh, sent us a, uh, an email which is about they've just – put in some floating offshore wind farm in Scotland, which is great. It's really it's cool. great. It's we really about cool. about that a little bit. I think we did I watched the video. Again. I recommend you watch the video. And, and, and they say it's really good for the United States and Japan because evidently we have a big drop-off of the continental shelf. So you can't anchor these things to the bottom. I mean, you can't mount these things at the bottom of the ocean where it's actually really windy. But these things float with a bunch of iron in the bottom to keep them buoyant and upright. And then they just chain them to the seafloor chain is a lot easier to put to the bottom than a whole post we can like use uh, old ice cars to kind of weigh them down. yeah that'd be cool Stephen peters with way too many e's says uh <laughs> you guys were talking a couple of episodes ago about you know how to get your car really efficient and there's a, a video out there by bjorn who says right. he actually was more efficient driving at 100 miles an hour than when he was driving at 75 miles an hour. But that is an outlier. Um, if you look on the Tesla website, if you look on basically everybody's sites for a car driving, the faster you go, the more turbulence, the less efficient you get. The sweet spot for Teslas is somewhere around 35 miles an hour. I have a question. Yes. I want. I have a question for Bjorn. So tweet us the answer to this, Bjorn, at Talking Tesla. Are you getting a Model 3? Because <laughs> you got all the other ones. That's well, right. He, was, he, he had a video that said, I don't even know if I'm going to the event because it's so expensive and he I've was spent there. a lot of money. He was there with a buddy of he his. He did decide to yeah. go. Everybody but us was there. I know. All I the podcasters, all the magazines. They all, all went out the, for dinner together. We got nothing. Nobody, we are nobody just loves us. losers. Alex Cody and a couple of others. Alex Cody and I believe Bruce. Of course, Bruce, Bruce Dawson Bruce. telling us about in Queensland, they're uh, building one of the largest supercharger networks. It's not an actual supercharger network, but a fast charging network through Queensland, which is very exciting. And I should also say that the Tesla supercharging network in Australia is also extending further up north and further down south. 2,000 kilometers. I mean, of fast personally, charging. I would love to see across the street or next door to every single supercharger station in this country a CCS station with yeah. four or five CCS chargers and J17797. And a ton of solar panels. And solar panels. And yeah. or wind. Diego's letter we talked about, which is he was pissed that people. People were pissed, and I'm sorry. I feel better now. Uh, Angel V said, "Is do you understand this correctly? A thirty-five thousand dollar car 
doesn't have power adjustable front seats, so you have to buy the premium package to get it. Yes, that is our understanding yeah, that so in order to get the power seats, you have to spend five grand on the upgrade package. But what I will also tell you is historically, every electric vehicle to save weight mostly, right, and to save to trim costs right. don't have power seats, not even right. as an availability. Uh, the Leaf did not, does not. The RAV4 did not, does not. I don't believe the Bolt does. The Bolt is do- right? does so, not. Like, so you talk about a a piece of equipment on a vehicle especially if it's on both front seats it's a heavy motor that will move the thing in 12 ways and it's a lot of additional cost that's where most of these car companies have already trimmed it so yes that's right a $35,000 car does not have power adjustable front seats my guess is if you looked around even non-EV vehicles in this price range that might be an option as well think about it what you're getting for the extra money you're spending without getting those seats is an aluminum car who else is making an aluminum electric car? Which is a downside when you bash it. So hopefully they'll fix that, uh, fix <laughs> that bashed up aluminum cars. Leon Brody basically says the same thing as Diego, which is shut the hell up. Uh, look at what is happening here. You've basically halved the price of this car in a couple of years. So stop whining, Herbert. It's amazing how quickly this is moving. David Kisser says uh, that the guy that founded Electric... It's also the guy that founded 9to5Mac and 9to5Android, which is actually, these are sites that I've used a lot. And uh, so this genius created all of these. Patrick Knowles said, thank you for the broadcast last night. Well, you're welcome. Alan Hill says that uh, he is a Texan, wants to get a Tesla, but he's confused about whether he's a can, whether he's allowed to. So Texans out there, can you uh, email us and tell us? How does it work if you're a Texan and you want to get a Tesla? The answer is you can get it. I just don't know how hard. Y'all can come to Tejas and buy a vehicle. Oh, Tom, Tom, Tom. So another cost for the dual drive. So how much is the Model 3 with dual drive going to cost us? When you get a 75S versus a 75SD with dual motors is another 5000 What do we think it's going to happen in the... Three. I think it's going to be $5,000 because <laughs> all of the prices have been consistent right. across the line for right. these things. It might be, uh, okay, $4,500 because maybe it's a little bit smaller motor, but it's going to be in that ballpark. Duke Lamb Lamb Duke Lam? Yeah. says, uh, do you really think that $9,000 for an extra 90 miles of range is justifiable? I don't know if it's justifiable. But I'd pay it because I'm all about the range, baby. Right. I think we've had that conversation ad nauseum. What was the cost difference between the 90 and the 100? Three grand. For what would 30, 30 miles? 33 miles of range. I'm sorry? 33 miles so of range. Consistent. So consistent. Consistent level of pricing. Uh, yeah, he's just saying like $9,000 for uh, 20 kilowatts seems crazy. That's a lot right, of but, batteries. But uh, your option is what other 300-mile range electric car? True. Uh, there is none. And then he goes on and talks about uh, configuring his car. And I think he's got it right. And now we've, there are configurers online, at least uh, pictures of configurers online. So you can go and do that in detail. Hey, throughout the Tesla community, there have been gripes about pricing and expense from day one. You know, when you talk to Roadster owners, the same thing. You know, when I bought my first S in 2013, I paid an extra for the little shelf that covers your trunk. Yeah, I love that. I was like, are you kidding me? What? Yeah. And I bought it. And it's just a piece of like cardboard covered in foam and stuff. So 
That's There's some Tesla. felt on it too. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's got. And a then couple... you spend another forty dollars on that little piece of string. No, to that make was it go only twenty and, bucks, but that was really cool. Up and down. <laughs> so the video is coming. The video of the frunk is coming. I've shot it. Uh, I said some things that were inappropriate, so I have to figure out how to bleep them out. <laughs> Just give me the footage. <laughs> okay. So uh, final thoughts. I'll give you my final thoughts, and we'll throw it to the other dudes. I think this looks like a spectacular car. Um, it sounds like it drives like a spectacular car. I'm a little disappointed, but it's my own fault for expecting to get a 300-mile range car for $40,000. It's not going to happen. It's $60,000. i am going to have to wait another few years. Am I going to get one for myself or my family? Probably not. But I am very angry at myself for being such a loser in buying the S because it came with full autonomy features. And I should have just waited another year and gotten this car because this is the car that I really want for myself. A little bit smaller. Half the price of an S. Um, it's the car I really want. The car is not $60,000 with 300 miles range. The car is $44,000 with 300 miles range. That's the ba- The no, car is the incredibly car I safe. I understand that. But the car, let's not like extrapolate all the other things. The car you can buy, you can drive off. Not the lot, because there is no lot, but like you can drive this car for $44,000 with a supercharging network, a robust charging network available to you today, 310 miles range, $44,000. That's amazing. We just spoke about our $100 100-mile okay, <laughs> range RAV4s that were $50,000 right. when they were released. I mean, yeah. come on, man. Yep. Yeah, you're right. I'm buying it again. Okay. Final thoughts, Robert. I'm I'm very happy to buy this car for my family. I I still really am not sure which of them is going to need the dual motor, but I'm very serious about dual motor. That won't be till springtime. I'm a little miffed that I can't just get a plain white car without paying $1,000, but that, again, is that same Tesla conundrum. And uh, I think it's great. I'm excited. I can't wait to get one. I want to just drive it for like one or two weeks so I can really dive deep into the car and get the real feel for it like I have for the S, and, and I know it like my backhand. Okay, yeah. Tom. I mean, I'm excited to get it. It is more than I wish it was. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a, it's still a stretch. It's still a $1,000 a month car or close to a $1,000 a month car if you do like four years or five years of payment. You don't stretch it out to six or seven years. There are some things that I wish I wasn't like I wish there were a different wheel available potentially because I don't love the – the fact that the 19 inch is going to have the maybe not so great uh, tire life on So just them. get the 18 inch. Right. I understand. But I, again, I don't like the way they look. So now I'm oh. spending a lot of money on a car with tires, wheels on it that I don't really like the way they look. Uh, that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Again, I'm just, I'm trying to be completely honest with you. Like I would spend the extra money on the 300 mile range, although potentially because there's like such a weird like cost thing, if I could get that sooner, I might buy it because then it makes the car even cheaper at 220 miles of range. Like I would have to do that, that math because again, I'm getting the, the tax credit that's kind of paying for that additional range in a lot of ways. But if there was an option, it would be even better. Like imagine a $35,000 car with $10,000 of incentives. I mean, that's crazy really amazing right like that's a really amazing potential kind of situation so one thing that uh to finish on is that i've heard nothing about lease deals here in the united states leasing cars is very um people love it because you get in for basically half the monthly price so uh 
We've heard nothing about it. I don't know if that is going to come or if they just want the cash right of now. Of course it'll come. I mean, it'll be the same kind of deal. It'll be about between thirty-five dollars and $4,000 down because that's about half what it is on an S and an X. And it's about half the cost of an S and an X. And it'll be about... 500 to $600 a month on a lease, but uh, for three years, 10,000 miles. So you're still looking at probably $25,000, for three years, and then you have nothing. Right. right. Then you give that car back. Can I end on a fun fact? Please, a fun fact to finish. Kind of like to put things in perspective. Long. When was the first gas station opened? Oh, 19... 19- 11. I want to say 1924. Mel is a very smart man. It was in uh, 1913 in Pittsburgh, Thank you. Pennsylvania. And uh, at this point, there are 114,533 gas stations. How many? 114,533 gas stations. In North America or in the world? Yeah, in North America. Wow. And we're talking about superchargers, of which we have now said there are 920. You know, we're like, it's like we're Pittsburgh, 1913. 19, yeah, we're, we're in 1915. Yeah, we're in 1915. <laughs> no, World War I. We're World in the middle of World War I. Or we're heading into World War I. So, yeah. you know, the Tesla network started in 2012. Actually, it's five years. So one charger in Harris Ranch. We're... We're moving. We're getting there. I know we want it done yesterday. Thank you, Tesla, for doing all your hard work. We really appreciate what you're doing. Win. Uh, this is like the good old days, you know? Another two and a half hour podcast. I know. I'm sorry, everybody, but we had to. This is the inflection point. I'm excited about this car. Yeah. I hope, I pray, I'm pretty sure this is going to take off. Uh, people are going to be a little hesitant like me because it's a lot of money. But once they realize just how incredible this car is, it is not a comparison to a Camry or anything else. Once you get in a Tesla... You don't go back. I can't believe only one Tesla Model 3 is being purchased in this group of us. <laughs> that is amazing. No, I'm get, I'll get one for my wife and for my son. We'll see about okay. that, Tom. She may not we'll want it. See. She might keep the old S. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that was Talking Tesla. It was a marathon. Was Thank you for listening. We will speak to you next week. Whoa. Oh, a oh, video no. of this presentation will be available somewhere at some time. Uh, that was the whole point of doing it in the video studio. Bye-bye then. Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wolfson, and Robert Rosenberg. Edited by Eliza Jane Barnes. And produced by C.C. Herbert and Mel Herbert. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash talking Tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.